evening, time being 7 o'clock, I call the May 3rd, 2023 meeting of the Franklin Town Council to order. Please pause for a moment of silence. Please stand for the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Announcements from the chair. All citizens are now welcome to attend public board and committee meetings in person. Meetings are live streamed by Franklin TV and shown on Comcast Channel 11 and Verizon Channel 29. In an effort to maximize citizen engagement opportunities, citizens will be able to continue to participate remotely via phone, or you may click the Zoom link that is on the posted agenda and on the town's website. The phone number is 929-205-6099, and the Zoom ID is 829-3769-0021, and then you need to hit the pound sign. Once again, the Zoom ID is 829-3769-0021, If residents are just interested in watching the meeting, it will also be live streamed by Franklin TV. Citizens' comments. Citizens are welcome to express their views for up to three minutes on a matter that is not on the agenda. The council will not engage in a dialogue or comment on a matter raised during citizens' comments. The town council will give remarks appropriate consideration and may ask the town administrator to review the matter. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? Quiet crowd tonight. Uh, is there anyone out in Zoom land that would like to speak on an item not on tonight's agenda? I don't see anybody here, Okay, moving on. Uh, approval of minutes. We have none, this, none scheduled this evening. Proclamations and recognitions, none. Appointments, none. Public hearings. Uh, I would declare the public hearing on new section 12, restaurant, common victualler, all alcohol license, and approval of Katrina. Is Karaski as the manager. Here come to Greeks LLC doing business as Sierra's Brick Oven Pizza and Pub, located at 370 King Street. I would declare the public hearing open. And uh, Attorney Kennedy, did you want to say anything first or just? Very briefly, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, uh, good evening, members of the council. Uh, with me uh, to my right is Katrina Sikorakis. She is the manager of Here Come Two Greeks LLC, and she will be the prospective manager on uh, any uh, alcohol license uh, presented. 
the location is 370 King Street, as mentioned by the chair. Um, it is the former location of the Spruce Pond Creamery. Um, they have, uh, uh, the Sierra Pizza has been there for about seven months operating without a liquor license, a formal annual liquor license. But what they have done on particular selected weekends is they've been getting a daily liquor license that has been issued by Jamie's office um, and operating, and, and they have been operating uh, uh, without any incident. Uh, the location is a uh, one-story uh, location. I believe there's a sub-basement there, but it's uh, 2,100 square feet in total area uh, with 108 uh, seating capacity. Uh, it has an outside patio, as some of you may be familiar, uh, for uh, about 50 seats. Currently, right now, they have only five tables out there. It's a very seasonal, uh, obviously, in New England. So, uh, and the patio is situated such that it is, it is closed off a bit on one end, uh, and it uh, has a singular access point. Uh, the, uh, the location employs about 20 uh, people. Uh, during its height of its operation on the weekends, uh, that you may see anywhere from 12 to 15 people working at the location. Uh, Katrina has uh, uh, over 10 years' experience in management, uh, and as I say, she has been, uh, along with her dad Michael, uh, have been operating uh, at the location. She's been overseeing uh, the operations for about seven months. Um, let me see anything else I can mention about the operation. The hours of the operation, I should mention, uh, it is uh, Monday through Thursday, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. On the weekends, they may stretch it a bit to 10 or 11, uh, just on Friday and Saturday nights. It's a family-owned and operated business, uh, and they would like, uh, as their customers would like, uh, they serve a lot of uh, brick oven and entrees with a Mediterranean flair uh, that would be paired nicely with, with maybe some wines, some beer, some alcohol options for their customers. And they have been very well received with the daily licenses, uh, and so they'd like to ask your permission for a full liquor license, uh, an annual license. This particular location did, I believe, have a liquor license there with the creamery, uh, which unfortunately went out of business uh, during the, uh, the COVID event. Uh, there is, uh, in that neighborhood, that little commercial sector, there is the, uh, the King Street Cafe, which has a full liquor license, I believe. Uh, there is the Tedeschi's, they, they have a package store license, and of course, on the corner is uh, the, the uh, Chateau. Chateau, thank you. Uh, they have a full liquor license as well. And, and as we know, there, there, there are going to be two operating hotels in that, in that particular part of town. So this would be a nice addition to that little commercial area, uh, hopefully offering uh, and helping the restaurant offer as many uh, available uh, food and drink entrees as, as they can. So with that, we would uh, we would ask uh, the the council's uh, uh, permission to uh, to grant uh, this license, and we're open for any questions that you may have. Great, thank you, Attorney Canada. Did you have anything to add, uh, Jamie? Uh, through Mr. Chairman, I just want to mention all departments have signed off on the application, and as I think all of you know, this was the site of a previous license before, which you know, from the ABCC's perspective, um, you know that that helps uh, pave the way a little quicker. Great. Thank you. Okay, since this is a public hearing, I will go to the uh, uh, council chambers first. Is there anyone in council chambers that would like to speak on this liquor license? Please uh, come forward to the mic, name and address, please. Okay, my name is Maureen Cravatas. Uh, to the microphone, um, okay. 
My Thank name you. is Maren Cravatis, and I live at Spruce Pond Condominiums. And I'm here on behalf of my friend who um, petitioned many people at the condo how they felt about this and, and made a statement. So I'm going to make a statement for, for her. I'm a little bit breathless. I just flew in from Florida. Don't be jealous. Um, and we are. <laughs> and I got this. So this is uh, people who have signed up who are opposed to it. It's And I'll just read what, what she, what we, we feel or whatever. All right, good evening. My neighbor, Sharon and Jelly, who had to work this evening, asked if I would read the statement on her behalf and the 42 Spruce Pond owners who signed a petition opposing the granting of a full liquor license to Sierra Pizza and Pub. <clears throat> Within a one mile radius of the Spruce Pond condominiums, there is a restaurant, the Chateau, with a full liquor license, a breakfast brunch restaurant, King Street Cafe, which serves beer and wine, a restaurant, Acapulco's, with a full liquor license, and a bar, Jimmy D's, with a full liquor license. <clears throat> The residents who own condos at Spruce Pond pay to treat and clean the pond and all the area around it for the wildlife who live at the pond and the, relative, and the residents who live around the pond. A pizza restaurant overlooking the pond with a full liquor license would not be a welcome addition to a very quiet, safe neighborhood of elderly residents. Do we really need another establishment with a full liquor license in a one mile radius? 42 condo owners who abut the pond and live across the pond from Sierra think not and are opposed to granting a full liquor license. Okay, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> I said my piece for my friend. Thank you. Is there, do you want to respond in any way? Well, you know, we certainly can appreciate the, uh, the neighborhood. Uh, the, uh, you know, a lot of them are customers of the restaurant and uh, Certainly, they don't want to disturb the, the tranquility of that, uh, that pond area. I think uh, the thing to point out about the deck is when you look at the floor plan, which has been provided to you in your package, the design of the building, it's an enclosed deck which faces really the pond and the roadway. And so uh, there, is, there is not a lot of direct sight line. I drove down there tonight in advance of the meeting I believe there are two sets of condos that are directly on the pond that face the restaurant. Other than those two units, the rest of the remaining 40 units are behind a naturally vegetated area that is quite, uh, it's quite a buffer zone. It's actually a more substantial buffer zone than I think they have toward the, uh, the hotel areas. And I believe most of the activity, uh, this has been a, a restaurant for, for a number of years. Uh, in New England, there's not a lot of opportunity for outdoor dining. It's a very short season. Um, most of the activities are going to be within the building, um, and they are certainly receptive to to the noise concerns, and they will they will address it as needed. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to please come forward, name and address, please? Hello. My name's Lauren Lannon. I also live in Spruce Pond at 90 High Bank. I'm not up near the pond, but I did know that the petition went around. I saw it in the mail room and there were only a few signatures on it, so I didn't realize there were that many people that were opposed to it. But I did speak to several that are also in support of it. There are so many other restaurants in the area that have it. They've 
really tried to make a go with this, and they've had a lot of hiccups, as we all know, yes. and stuff. And they are a family restaurant. They're not a watering hole. I don't think that it's going to be disruptive any more than the Chateau or anything else that's over there. They did have a liquor license when it was uh, the creamery, Spruce Pond Creamery and stuff. So I don't live as close to some of the other residents that may have objected, but there I did talk to several that were also in support of it because we do go over there, you know, to to patronize it. So thank you. Yeah. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on this uh, public hearing on the liquor license? Please. Name and address, please. Yes, sir. My name is Stephen Knights. I live at 74 Miller Street. I've been in Franklin since 1986, and I've seen a lot of changes in this town. And I don't feel this establishment would do any damage to anybody in the Spruce Pond environment or the entire mile radius. I've been aware of everything in Franklin that has happened in the establishments in the last decades, <laughs> if I may say that. <laughs> I don't think... Not speaking from experience. I am speaking from experience, sir. Yes, sir, I am. And Mr. Cornetta does know that for a fact. And I'm sure he's very surprised that I'm standing here right now. So I just want to say I've known this family. They're very respectable, respectful. And I would appreciate this council to please allow this to happen. Thank you very much. Thank you. Is there anyone else in council chambers that would like to speak on this liquor license? Is there anyone out there in Zoom land that would like to speak on this liquor license? I wait a few seconds because there is a short delay in case somebody says <coughs> Okay, seeing none. I will declare the public hearing closed. And since they're sitting right there, uh, I think we'll move right to license transactions. And the license transaction is a new section 12 restaurant common victual all alcohol license and approval of Katrina Sikarakis. I'll get it close. Uh, as the manager, here come two Greeks, LLC, doing business as Sierra's Brick Oven Pizza and Pub, located at 370 King Street. Clerk will read the license transaction. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is a license transaction for New Common Victor Subsection 12 Restaurant, all alcoholic beverages. Here come two Greeks, LLC, doing business as Sierra's Brick Oven Pizza and Pub, located at 370 King Street, Franklin Mass, 02038. Uh, here come two Greeks LLC DBA Sierra's Brick Oven Pizza and Pub is seeking approval for new Section 12 restaurant all alcoholic beverages license and approve the manager Katrina S. Sikarakis. All departments have signed off on this application. This is a motion to approve the request by Here Come Two Greeks LLC DBA Sierra Brick Oven Pizza and Pub for new Section 12 restaurant all alcoholic beverages license and to approve Katrina S. Sikarakis as the manager. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Councillor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, first of all, logic dictates this is a location that once had a liquor license. And, and to the best of my knowledge, I haven't known that location to be problematic in the past. 
I would assume it's going to be problematic in the future. Um, but a common question that comes up is obviously tip training. Is the is the staff appropriately trained? Are they in the process of appropriately training for tip training, uh, et cetera, et cetera? Yes, uh, they are aware of the uh, Franklin requirements, and uh, and all of the servers will be tip certified, uh, as well as uh, food service safe, which they would do regardless of the liquor license. Excellent, uh, and also one of the common topics of discussion that come up that come up during these types of hearings is as part of Franklin bylaw, uh, and I know you guys are a food establishment, you serve pizza and stuff like that, which is great. Um, there are bylaws set aside that require that alcohol and food need to be served simultaneously and that, that you can't shut down the foods without shutting down the alcohol pretty much within the same time frame. So that's just to, to allow people to continue to eat something of sustenance uh, while consuming the alcohol. Noted, yes. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Any other, uh, Councilor Cormier Ledger? <coughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is just more of a, a statement than a concern. I've patronized uh, this establishment both when they were on East Central Street and also in the new location. Um, fantastic staff, fantastic owners, uh, great food, um, and I would highly support uh, and also encourage everyone to support a business here in town that uh, unfortunately has gone through some bumps uh, and suffered a few struggles. And it's great that they are still open and uh, contributing to our to our town. So thank you. Thank you, Councilor Comilita. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Attorney Grinnell, you hit on all my points too. <laughs> I don't have many questions. Um, but to the audience member, this is our main thoroughfare, and there are other liquor establishments there. So I have no problem with. I actually want to give them this liquor license because anything to bring more tax money in is also another good thing. And, um, but let's just touch on the entertainment for a second because it looks like that's what the neighbors would be the most um, worried about. The seating capacity, actually, you said that too, 108. I had that. That's, um, so that's not a huge amount of people. And um, are they talking about live bands or are they? Well, no, this is an application for an, al an alcohol license. If they, if any type of entertainment request would have to be a separate application right through yeah, the. I saw you didn't check box 19, that's why I was going to ask about yeah, that. Yeah, no, we're, we're not applying for any. There are no immediate plans for any entertainment or amplified entertainment out on the deck area. Now, that's not to say that as they proceed with their business model, that that may change. If it does, they're going to have to go through the normal channels of approval and apply for an entertainment license, amplified entertainment license. Okay, those aren't outrageous hours. Good luck, everybody. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. Any Councilor DeLocco? Thank you. To you, Mr. Chandler. Jamie, they've applied for a one-day liquor license, and we've had no trouble with them at all, right? Through Mr. Chairman, I'm not aware of any violations on the site in its history. I think it's a great place for um, them. I think to the applicant's perspective and some of the comments, I actually think a lot of the folks around there probably patronize a lot of these establishments right. too. So we've not had any issues. And um, you know, to Councilor Chandler's point on the concern about late night, um, I don't foresee 
you know, if there was a, ever entertainment, I'm, I'm picturing the acoustic guitar person. I, I'm not picturing Metallica, um, you know, at 11 p.m. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm picturing the acoustic guitar, which a lot of people like, you know, as background. I, most of our entertainment licenses, by the way, to Council Chandler's question was, but generally the solo acoustic guitar person <laughs> playing Dave Matthews goes. So they're not going to be able to get Aerosmith back in town? Peace out. Maybe. They're on their final tour. Last chance. Last But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally in support of this. Uh, I think uh, we're going to get more people a chance. To, yeah. They've got a tough go at it. And uh, they're great families. It's a great place to go grab a pizza. So I'm totally in support of this. Thank you, Councilor DeLocco. Councilor Frangelo? Yeah, I would just say that I support all the reasons why um, we should, we should uh, bring a liquor license and I wish you the best of luck. I just hope that you uh, view, I mean, it's, it's not every day that we get this many um, neighbors concerned about uh, impacts. I hope you see that as an opportunity and a sort of reminder uh, to, to be a good neighbor and, and make sure that we're treating not only the individuals with respect, but particularly the concern of that of that pond, just making sure that we're um, you know strong neighbors and cleaning up and, and watching for any um, violations. And you know, at, at the end of the day, this is something that still needs approval um, every year. So you know, I, I hope that you um, are, are responsible with it. But I, I think you will be, and I look forward to, uh, to visiting. Thank you, Councilman Fungillo. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I am just going to echo what Councilor Frangillo said. He took my last point. Everyone else took all my other points. Um, I think we've seen recently that eatery establishments need to have liquor. It's expected of them. Um, I just, in, in, especially when you go to sit down to eat a meal, people want to have a drink. Um, and it's really, it's, I really, I understand the concern of the neighbors. But I know that um, these people have worked with the town. They've been great um, partners. And I'm sure if there's any noise issue, that you'll help, help the neighbors out. And you can continue to have kind of a conversation with them about it if they come to you. And as Councilor Frangelo said, we get to renew, we get to look at these licenses every year. And if there's issues, then, we have to, then we'll, we'll all have to work together. Um, and so that is why I think it would be a great thing for you to have this. Thank you, Councillor Hamlin. Any other councillors? Councillor Plegman. Um, I too am in favor of this. In fact, this was one of the first times I ever got some phone calls at home telling me and asking me to go along with this. I was very surprised to hear that. And they were from people that I didn't even know. So um, we wish you luck and just keep in mind your neighbors and to, to be friendly and courteous to them. I think that's all we're asking, okay? And good luck to you. Thank you, Councilor Plegri. Any other councilors? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve the liquor license for uh, all alcohol, a common victualler, all alcohol license, and a, uh, for Here Come Two Greeks, LLC, DBA, Sierra's. Who are the two Greeks? Actually, I was just going to ask that question. <laughs> uh, Brick Oven Pizza and Pub, located at 370 King Street. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carried. Thank you. Good Thank luck. You. Okay, moving on. We have a couple, uh, we have three presentations. Uh, two other lights. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Just 
I'm sorry. The okay. The next license modification is a change of manager. Rare Hospitality International, Inc. doing business as Longhorn Steakhouse, located at 250 Franklin Village Drive, Franklin, Mass. 02038. Clerk will read the license transaction. Thank you, Chairman. License transaction change of manager for Rare Hospitality International, Incorporated, doing business as Longhorn Steakhouse, located at 250 Franklin Village Drive. Franklin, Massachusetts, 02038, Rare Hospitality International Incorporated, doing business as Longhorn Steakhouse, is seeking approval for a change of manager on their uh, Section 12 restaurant all-alcoholic beverages license. The new manager will be Michael Barbosa. All departments have signed off on this application. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jamie? Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Pretty straightforward. All departments have signed off, and I believe Michael is here in the back. Yep. That's correct. Yeah. You want to come up real quick, Michael? <coughs> That's it. Thank you. I have, made, I have made a motion. Yeah, you did. No, I made a second. This. Oh, wow. You got to make the motion. Yep. Motion to approve the request for Rare Hospitality International Incorporated to do the business as Longhorn Takeouts and change of manager to Michael Proposal. Second. That's a second. Motion and a second. Thank you. Okay. Discussion from the council. Good luck. Thanks. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve the license modification change of manager, Rare Hospitality International, doing business as Longhorn Steakhouse, located at 250 Franklin Village Drive. Franklin, all those in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you very much. You have a great evening. Thank you. Keep up the good work over there. It's a great lesson. Thank you very much for working hard at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, license modification. Change of officers, directors, LLC. 99 Restaurant of Boston. LLC doing business as 99 Restaurant. Located at 847 West Central Street. Clerk will read the license modification. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is license transaction change of offices, directors, LLC managers for 99 restaurants of Boston, LLC. Do a business is the 99 restaurant located at 847 West Central Street, Franklin, Mass. 02038. 99 restaurants of Boston, LLC, DBA 99 restaurant is seeking approval for change of offices, directors, LLC managers on their Section 12 restaurant all alcoholic beverages license. Uh, Wendy Harkness is being removed as the LLC manager and secretary. Charles Nose is being removed as the LLC manager and president. Kirk uh, Schnobelt is being removed as the LLC manager and CFO. The new LLC managers will be Clint uh, Leighton Schlager, uh, Marjorie Nzura, and Philip Purcell, Marks Bergen, and Karen Jacobs. The ABCC has granted this pre preliminary approval. And this is a motion to approve the request by the 99 Restaurants of Boston, LLC, DBA 99 Restaurant, for change of offices, directors, LLC managers, as described above. Zach. Thank you. <laughs> Discussion. Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. So this is, uh, this is one of those that um, hopefully if the legislature and governor fix the liquor laws, uh, this will be one of the changes, because the ABCC has already approved this. Um, yes. It's dealing with stock and corporate owners, but yes. we're required to bring it down here to rubber stamp it and send it back to them. Thank you. 
Thank you. Questions or comments from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion for the change of offices, directors, LLC managers, 99 restaurants of Boston, uh, LLC doing business at 99 restaurants located at 847 West Central Street. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Now we will move to presentations and discussions. We have three this evening. Uh, the first one is one of our annual favorites. Uh, presentation of the FY22 financial audit. Scott McIntyre, partner Markham LLP. Would you like to kick it off, Jamie? Sure. Uh, I'll, oh, perfect. I, we were able to kick enough time out for the projector to come on. Um, I just want to um, uh, just want to give everybody a heads up. I think all of you have been through this at least once or twice before, but um, this is the annual uh, financial statements and audit for the town. Um, Scott McIntyre from Melanson. I can't remember the new name, Scott. I'm very sorry. I know you merged and there's a new company name. Melanson Heath. It's the same one we have, but there's a new. All right, thank you. Um, and uh, and so Scott's going to run through uh, our financial statements. I just want to thank. Um, obviously, all of the uh, finance staff, uh, the treasurer collector's office assessors, um, and Lydia does a phenomenal job. And uh, I think you're about to hear about another clean report. Um, and uh, and we're maintaining our AAA bond status. So you want to take it away, Scott? And just let me know, Scott, what what slot, what number page you're on. Of course. Uh, thank you, Jamie. I, I and members of the council, thanks for the opportunity to come in uh, to, to this meeting with you and walk through very quickly. Our results of your uh, our results of our audit of your financial statements for the year ended June 30, 2022. Uh, Jamie, I'm going to begin on page uh, it's PDF page four, which is our opinion. Uh, but before I do, I want to run through a couple of quick things. As uh, the town administrator said, um, you know the report is issued as, as Melanson CPAs, uh, but in January we did merge with uh, Markham LLP. Um, I can take any questions that you may have on that. Uh, the long and short of it is so few students are going into accounting these days uh, that we just found ourselves needing some, some additional resources. Uh, so we teamed up with a, a larger firm. Uh, the, the governmental team that's existed at, at, at Melanson CPAs is, is all still here. Uh, we lead the governmental practice of the, of the combined firms. Um, and again, just to add some resources to our bench. Uh, to continue to serve uh, local governments in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, that's, again, I can answer any questions that the uh, council may have on that. But before I start walking through the opinion, there's some um, required communications that I'd like to go through uh, with the town council. Um, I've done this in the last couple of years. Um, really, there's three major things. Um, I'm giving you an idea of how the audit went. Uh, the audit went very well. That means in the most basic terms that I can think of is in, in the way to describe it is we found your books and records to be in good working order and that all key account balances, cash, receivables, long-term debts, payables were all reconciled on a regular and timely basis. And as a result of that, we did not need to propose any significant audit entries as a result of the, the work we did on your, on your financial statements. 
Uh, the other, one of the other required communications deals with any disagreements between the town and our firm. Uh, generally speaking, that refers to disagreements and how to apply generally accepted accounting principles. And I'm happy to report there were no 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 differences of no disagreements. Pardon me, that's the word I'm looking for. No disagreements on how to apply generally accepted accounting principles. And the last of the three major um, required communications deals with estimates. There are several in your financial statements, uh, the, the largest of which are your net pension liability and some of the related accounts, your net OPEP liability and the related accounts associated with that. Others include the estimated useful life of your capital assets and allowance for you know, uncollectible receivables, but really the two largest deal with the pension liability and OPEP liability. I think it's important to remember that those are actuarially determined by uh, actuaries using their set of standards. Um, those, those accounts are certainly subject to our audit. We review the assumptions associated with them that are outlined in the footnotes to the financial statements for reasonableness and consistency with, with other governments and whether or not those, those assumptions are realizable. Uh, so that was all part of our, um, our, our audit work on, on the estimates. Uh, and so really those are the required communications and probably the most important communication you, you'll hear from, from, from me tonight. The rest I'm going to walk through a couple of the account balances that I think warrant the attention of those charged with governance, the town council. Um, and as I pointed out, Jamie, I, I, I don't see the screen, but I, I'm assuming you have uh, PDF page four up. Oh, there it is. That's correct. Uh, this, is our, this is our opinion on your financial statements. Uh, if you were to look real closely at it, it looks different than prior years, but it is really not. It, it's the same thing. As I think Jamie indicated, it's a, a clean or an unmodified opinion. It looks different because just as accounting standards change, auditing standards change as well. And one of the changes that we had to implement as an audit firm was uh, one of the statement of auditing standards that modified the report. It basically says the same thing, it's just in a different order. Uh, really, that's. I, I wish it was something more, more than that, but really, instead of starting with what we did and, and ending with our opinion, now page four starts with our opinion, and then the bottom tells you the standards that we followed. Really, that's the long and short of, of, the, of the change. Jamie, if I could now ask you to turn um, or go to slide 17, uh, PDF page 17. Uh, this is, as I've mentioned to the council in the past, there are both a long-term perspective set of financial statements and a short-term perspective financial statements. Most of the conversation will be on the, the short-term, the general fund, if you, if you will, but we don't believe that any conversation about our local government financial statements uh, is really complete without talking about the long-term perspective, and in particular, uh, the net pension liability and the net OPEP liability. If you look in that first column of numbers, right about in the middle of the page, and again, that first column of numbers, you see your net pension liability of 28.4 million, and right below that is your net OPEB liability of 73.9. OPEB standing for OPEB, or Other Post-Employment Benefits. And what that really means is retiree health care. Just a quick point of reference, the net pension liability is down about uh, $10 million over, over the prior year. It's very important to, to, to all outline in the footnotes, but it's very important for readers and anyone listening here tonight to understand that that liability is your proportional share of Norfolk County's retirement system's unfunded liability. And it's measured as of 12 21 
standards permit you to use an earlier measurement date uh, because the retirement system has a 1231 year end. Why is that important? Because through 12, through the end of calendar 21, investment returns uh, in general were, were very strong. Um, so that those strong investment earnings brought that liability down. I can't make any projections as to what, what the investment returns are, are like through the end of calendar 22, uh, but I'm sure those reports from the county retirement system will be coming out. If it's anything like some of the ones I've seen that have already come out, there's a good chance that that liability goes back up because of investment earnings not meeting the expectations. Um, and below that again is the net OPEB liability. That's uh, up slightly, it's up a couple million dollars over the prior year. One thing I, I'm pretty sure I pointed this out last year, but one of the key assumptions that the town uses, and it's a fine assumption, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it, I just think it's important for people to understand. Uh, one of the key assumptions in funding your OPEB liability is that in seven years, when your retirement system uh, contribution is expected to essentially mature, the town is planning to take about $7 million annually that have been paid into the Norfolk County Retirement System and redirect those towards funding OPEP. That's a key assumption and a valid assumption. It's just one that we think should be, you know, put, put, it's in the footnotes you're in, to your financial statement. It's widely disclosed in there. I just thought it would, it's appropriate to bring it to everybody's attention. With that, Jamie, if we could go a couple pages over to page 19. Uh, page 19 is the uh, short-term perspective uh, balance sheet, uh, and much of the focus here is going to be on the, on the general fund or the first column of numbers. I do want to very quickly point out the second column of numbers going left to right. It's called your federal grants fund. Just like in the prior year, it, it, uh, mathematically it, it is uh, defined as a major fund. Uh, it just means it has, at this point it has its own balance sheet and, and a couple of pages afterwards its statement of revenues and expenditures. And it's major because if you look in that second column of numbers, about the middle, middle of the page, you see an account balance of just under $3.9 million, called unearned revenue. Essentially, that $3.9 million is some of the ARPA money that you've received uh, and has gone and is, was unspent as of 6-30-22. Accounting standards don't, you, don't permit you to recognize that revenue until you do something with that, that, that revenue. Pardon me, those, that cash receipt. And that something has to be expending those dollars. So when you expend those dollars, you'll simultaneously recognize the revenue that is part of the cash that you have on, in your, in your account, uh, bank account as of June 30, 2022. It'll help match up the revenues and expenditures. Now, with that quick little note on the other major fund other than the general fund, if we focus on the general fund for a minute, the focus is almost always in the uh, bottom section of the, the column of the general fund. Uh, and the second number up from the bottom, uh, your total fund balance is, is almost $27.5 million. No, that's up, that's up over $2 million over, over the prior year in total. Uh, and it's because, you know, collections were strong and, and there were some appropriation turn, turnbacks uh, by, by departments during fiscal year 22. Probably the number that gets the most focus is the third number up from the bottom. It's your unassigned fund balance with an account balance of $15,270,000. That account balance is up about $900,000 over the prior year. So you see a nice increase in that key unassigned fund balance account. And collectively that 15 point, <clears throat> pardon me, 15.27 million represents about 11% 
of your general fund expenditures in fiscal year 22. That, that's consistent with, as Jamie was pointing out, a AAA rated, rated community. Uh, it's not the only element that a rating agency will look for, but the majority of AAA rated communities that our firm deals with has uh, in excess of 10%, uh, it has an unassigned fund balance in excess of 10% of, of its expenditures. I would want to point out that that unassigned fund balance is really made up of two different pieces. Uh, what I, one I would call your, your true general fund, or what ultimately becomes your certified free cash, and the other component is your stabilization funds. UMIS, that the town follows, promulgated by the Department of Revenue, uh, requires you to have stabilization as its own fund. It's almost considered a, a trust fund. But GAAP, or generally accepted accounting principles, requires you and your audit to combine your general fund and your stabilization funds into one column. So if we take a quick breakdown of that $15.27 million, it would come out as follows. Sort of your true general fund, which is the starting point for your certification of free cash, of about $6.8 million, and your general stabilizations are about $8.4 million. And collectively, they combine to about $15.2 million. In both pieces of, of that 15.2, the free cash portion, that's up a few hundred thousand, and stabilization is also up a few hundred thousand dollars, and collectively it's up uh, just, just under a million dollars. The other types of fund balances that are there are your assigned fund balance. Uh, that's essentially um, encumbrances that were carry forward into fiscal year 23. Uh, the committed fund balance is a lot of other reserve accounts. Uh, for those that might be interested, you can see a detail of those on, on uh, PDF page 45 of, of your uh, financial statements. That's a, um, a very, very quick walkthrough of, uh, of our audit in your financial statements, both a quick note on the long-term perspective of financial statements, highlighting the, the pension and OPEP issues, uh, and of course a, a, a discussion of your general fund, uh, fund balance, which again, in total was up several million millions of dollars, and your unassigned fund balance is up just under a million dollars in both components of that, the free cash portion and the stabilization fund are, are up. Uh, budgetary results were solid during the year. Again, it's, that's in the very back of the report. Uh, for anyone's interest, I want to point out that that's available uh, for, for, for readers as well. And with that, I will try to answer any questions that the council may have. Thank you. Jamie, Chris, anything to add? Nope. No. Council, councilors, question. Uh, Council Plagman. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. <coughs> I know that in the past you have made recommendations for changes in that, and I didn't hear you say anything about that tonight. Does that mean that we are really right on top of things and no changes need to be to meet me need to be made? The, the town is very much right on top of things. Um, we did not issue a management letter. Uh, we talked with uh, Chris uh, about a couple of things, and, and you should be aware that there are a couple of new Gatsby's. If I haven't mentioned Gatsby in this conversation, I think some of standards board. There's a few new standards that they've put out. Uh, they seem to put them out regularly at this point in time that will require uh, efforts on behalf of the town. Uh, there's two new standards that are applicable for FY23. Uh, and so some efforts will be required of the finance team there in, in Franklin to, uh, to implement those new, those new standards. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Councilor Chandler? Through you, Mr. Chairman. Hi, Scott. Um, 
Is he still there? Yeah, he's there. Yeah. All right, great. Um, we have what, about $2 million in our stabilization fund. And obviously, everybody wants more of everything. So some people talk about taking that money. But when you do our, our whole assessment, does that greatly help the town look good that we have, say, $2 million in the stabilization fund? Three. What did you say, three? Three. Even better, three, excuse me. Um, I was just wondering where that fits in in your um, assessment. Yeah, uh, it, I think it certainly helps uh, you from a credit rating uh, stand, standpoint. Um, it, it shows a willingness of, of the community uh, and, and the town council to put money in, into, a, into a fund should it be needed. Uh, and, and it shows a commitment to funding uh, in maintaining the working capital that's needed to, for operations, as well as capital. Because that's what you do with a, a lot with your free cash. You know, you were asking specifically about stabilization. Another element of a credit rating agency looking at you is that you use your free cash typically, and almost all, always in the last couple of years, used it for capital. That's, a, that's another credit strength for Franklin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Childer. Thank you, uh, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. <coughs> Thank you, Scott, for the presentation. I uh, just really wanted to make a statement in support of the staff and volunteers for another great year, another great uh, financial record. Like, not all communities can celebrate a AAA bond rating. Not all communities can celebrate not getting a management letter from their audit firm. Um, and the fact that everybody works so well together and keeps an eye on the money and that every, literally every T is crossed and every I is dotted, I think is very, very important for the public to understand. So um, thank you and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you, Councilor Comey and Ledger. No, Brian. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Chair. Um, ditto. Councillor Cormier Ledger over there. I mean, I, you guys hear me say this just about every single year that you come in. Scott, thank you for the presentation. Um, what what the town should take from this, what the community should take from this, is that our administration, our staff, our finance department, our treasury department, and everyone else who has a part in that uh, really care about every single dollar that the taxpayer puts into this community. They're great stewards of our taxes, they're great stewards of the money. And, and I, I just want to commend everybody who, who puts a lot of hard work into making this report. Every single year comes back and with no recommendations, manager reports or whatever. It's just, it, I, I actually get excited when these reports come across the right desk. But thank you so much. And again, I agree with Councilor Cormier on that. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Fangello. Yeah, thank you. Um, I owe all the gratitude for, for our staff who work hard on this. Uh, I'm hoping to understand and through understanding uh, clarify what this means and, and, and what it doesn't. It's my sense that what I'm hearing from you is A, we do a good job of uh, keeping track of uh, spent money and um, you know knowing where uh, money is, where it's been spent, and, and sort of just keeping our, our books in order. And B, we are a reasonably 
uh, strong bet that if we borrow money, we'll be able to uh, pay that back um, in a reasonable time. Is that a fair uh, sort of encapsulation of, of what we should take from this? Yes, I think it is. Uh, what I tried to articulate was, you know, probably, I think I said probably the most important communication you'd, you'd get from me tonight was uh, when I told you that the books and records are in good working order. Uh, that's probably a better takeaway than even, you know, your fund balances. I turn the page so I don't have to sign anything like $15 million or something like that. Um, you know, that, that's the, I think the best takeaway you can come away with is that our audit went well. We did not need to propose any significant audit entries. And, and would it also be fair to say that what, it, what it's not trying to say is that uh, there's a certain quality of life that you want in Franklin and your ability to pay for that quality of life um, is, is strong or, or trying to make any statement uh, on that, on uh, a certain quality of schools and a certain quality of roads and senior center and all of that. Well, that's a... Look, I'm not really trying to dodge your question, but that's really not what you hired us to do. Yes. Um, you hired us to audit the financial statements and what you know determine whether the books and records are in good working order and give you our thoughts and our professional opinion on the disclosures and, and the financial statements as a whole. When it comes to quality of life in Franklin, that's Look, it's a lovely town. I've been there many times doing doing it. Doing <laughs> it's just not. It's not something I. It's not something my profession gives an opinion. Jeff, Jamie, Scott, we have a new restaurant with a liquor license. So if you want to come eat out, you know, you 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 went through every year. You come through. There's always new liquor licenses. So uh, bon appetit. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I appreciate that, and I think that was, I think that, and I, and I, it didn't mean to sound as, as a dumb question, but I think it's easy to hear, oh, their finances are in order, like, what are they saying when they need uh, money? But when finances in order mean that we're paying our bills, it doesn't mean that we're able to afford the quality of life that we might want to afford uh, here in Franklin. And, and, and I'm hoping my, I'm, just to change through, sir, just, I think what it, I think what hopefully the takeaway is, is that the taxpayers and, and the ratepayers should really have a lot of faith in the entire staff, um, in the entire organization, every department, and hopefully you know this proves to them that we're doing all the best things we can. So does it relate necessarily to quality of life? You know, in terms of the senior center, maybe not. Like in terms of the actual deliverable, but in terms of um, in terms of trust in terms of faith, in terms of uh, sustainability, in terms of those things, I think it does actually, there is a closer link it that you're getting us. to. There is a closer mm -hmm. link to, you know, get to that more quality of life question where, you know, a lot of the folks hopefully in town hear this, um, you know, year after year, and we do it, we try to do it before the budget hearings on purpose, right? Um, to make sure that people, when we go into the budget hearings, do have faith. As Council Plegri said earlier, you know, there's nothing really, to ch there's, there's no recommendations here to do better. Um, we just know there's gonna be more regulations we're gonna have to follow in a couple of years. But do better with books and records. Right. I think I, think I reached my clarity, and hopefully you reached enough, enough clarity for now. Good. Thank you. Thank you, Council Frontal. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you, Scott, for this report, and thank you to everyone that worked for us. Um, 
it's incredible, as Councilor Cormier just said, to hear every year how well we do. Um, there is one thing I just wanted to make sure everybody noticed, that, um, and I think this might point a little bit to the quality of life here in Franklin, is the net position increased due to investments in land. So that's our open space that we bought recently, which is really important. Um, and the capital assets like infrastructure to make sure the roads and the waters is clean and those kind of things. And so um, I think that that's what I got from from this quality of life that we have here, frankly. So, but thank you, Scott, and thank you to the staff. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Is there any other questions or comments from the council? Anyone in council chambers have a question or a comment? Mr. Sherlock, please, name and address, please. Yes, Steve Sherlock, 10 Lawrence Drive, Citizen Journalist. Let me put that in perspective as well to paint the color, because respectfully, this was on this last year's report. Having sat in this chair and seen a number of you and a number of other people in your roles before, I recall going back to 2008, we've had some significant issues. There were many years of management letters with all kinds of requirements. One of them came along with doing a risk assessment, which was done a couple of years ago when it's being redone. So the statement to the extent that the books are good, there is no management letter. This is like at least the third or fourth year in a row. We have come a long way, so I just wanted to paint that picture to reinforce that for the citizens. Because I, at least on your behalf, have been sitting here and watching all this happening, and this is goodness. So thank you, and congrats to you, and congrats to the finance staff that's doing it. Thank you, Steve. Uh, is there anyone out in Zoom land that has a question or a comment? Hello. Hello. Hi. Name um, and address, just, please. My name is Sharon Angeli. I live at 40 Quince Landing in Spruce Pond. Yes. So I sent all the town council, everybody on the council, an email. And somebody was supposed to come in because I couldn't get time. Yes, it was. Uh, sorry to interrupt you, but. Uh, we did, you did, your friend did come in, make the presentation, and uh, uh, the council heard it, the audience spoke, there were a couple of people that spoke, and uh, the liquor license was granted. We're on another subject now. All right, thank you. Okay. Okay, uh, seeing no further questions on the audit, uh, I'd just like to say, Scott, thank you very much uh, for another great presentation and for another great report, more importantly. And it, it truly is a credit to uh, our administrative team, uh, Municipal Floor 2, <laughs> uh, the entire business offices. Uh, I think it's a credit to all the work that they've done. It's also a credit to the town council uh, for all the, the work that we do and the directives we give to the town administrator and to the staff. So uh, thank you one and all. We're in good shape uh, as we move into 2023.
Scott, thank you very much. Thank you. Have a nice evening. You too. Okay. Next item on the agenda, presentation and discussion. Presentation from Charles River Pollution Control District. Elizabeth area Executive Director, Charles River Pollution Control. Elizabeth, if you'd like to introduce your team. Absolutely. So thank you. Um, so I'm Liz Taglieri, Executive Director at the District. Um, I've been at the District for 13 years, uh, the Executive Director for nine. Um, I have a background in environmental engineering. I'm also a grade seven wastewater operator. Um, so as for our team, I have um, our Franklin commissioners are here. So David Fermato is our chairman. Uh, Wolfgang. Uh, Wolfgang Bauer is our uh, vice chairman, and Mark Cataldo is our clerk. Um, we do have two other um, representatives from Medway who aren't here today, uh, Doug uh, Downing and Ted Kenny. Um, and then Kristen Macharani is in the audience as well. Uh, she is the engineer and <clears throat> IPP coordinator. Uh, she's also been at the district for uh, 12 years. Um, so thank you for having us. I'm going to just jump right in. Um, so we are a... Uh, we're a regional uh, wastewater treatment plant. We're located in Medway, Massachusetts. Um, we're right on Village Street, um, kind of near the Millis line there on the southeast corner. Uh, so the district was founded and established in 1973 by the towns of Medway and Franklin. Uh, Franklin owned about a little over 80% of the treatment plant at that time. Uh, then in 1980, Millis and Bellingham purchased capacity from both Medway and Franklin. Um, in order to become customers. And so we have the, those are the four communities that are steward, Millis, Medway, Franklin, and Bellingham. Um, in that original construction, the treatment plant was de uh, designed for 4.54 million gallons per day of, of wastewater that we could treat. And then in the late 1990s, we um, upgraded the facility um, and were able to add some additional capacity to what we have now, which is the 5.7 MGD total capacity. Um, and of that, uh, Franklin owned 63.9%, uh, which is 3.642 million gallons per day. We did do a major upgrade. Um, I'm, I'm sure you saw some of that with the rate increases. Um, that was in 2012 and 2016, yep. Um, total, it was about $30 million. Uh, that was really to replace all that aging um, uh, equipment uh, from that original construction. Uh, we were able to cap our on-site landfill, which has um, some of the solids that we produced. Um, that, that's where we put it for a while. Um, and then we also were able to meet a more stringent phosphorus limit with that upgrade. Um, that, uh, those loans are due to be paid off in 10 to 14 years. Uh, they are 20-year SRF loans. So. Uh, so here you can see a map of our collection system. Uh, so the four towns are there. The light um, brown lines are all the town uh, sewer. So there's over 240 miles of sewer um, between the four towns. Uh, Franklin has just under 150 miles. Um, and then the district owns 13 miles of what we call interceptors. Those are large diameter pipes that conveys uh, multiple towns uh, flows to the treatment facility. And that you can see are those blue lines. They're a little tough to see on the, the here, but um, and then you can see where the uh, treatment plant is in Medway, right on the Millis um, in Franklin uh, corner there. 
Um, and of the 13 miles that the district owns, nine of that is actually in Franklin. We also uh, have a one pump station that the district owns that is right by BJ's in Franklin. If you're driving into BJ's and you just keep going straight, there's a little little building there on the right. That's actually our pump station uh, that pumps uh, wastewater from Bellingham and Franklin, including Grellick Farms. Um, and it goes actually under 495, under the mine brook, and then back into the regular gravity feed collection system. Um, and so, it's, you know, the towns own their system. Um, the district, we just own that 13 miles, but, you know, we're all, all you know, five entities are um, inspecting, looking for infiltration and inflow in, in the sewer system, um, which is very important. Infiltration is groundwater getting in. Inflow um, could be from illegal sump pumps uh, connected in or roof drains, things like that. Um, so you always see something. Uh, there's always some INI in any work, what's called a closed system where stormwater is not allowed, um, unlike other you know, larger um, treatment facilities. Some of them do have um, that connected, but we're a separate system. Uh, so this is a picture, an overview of the district here. Uh, you can see there's a number of tanks. Uh, we have our main building uh, on the, <clears throat> the lower portion um, of the picture. It just has another tank, another building. But essentially what we do is we do what nature normally would have done, and we speed it up and we make it more efficient. Um, we have physical processes where we have um, things settling in tanks. We have a solid settling in tanks that's doing that treatment. We have biological treatment where we have actually microorganisms that are consuming the organics and treating it for us. Um, and then we have um, chemical treatment where we add chemicals like ferric chloride, ferrous chloride to precipitate out and take out that phosphorus. Phosphorus is one of our major drivers in our treatment at the facility. Uh, so I have some pictures. I don't want to go into too much detail, but if you would like a tour, I would love to take you on one, and we can go into more detail on all the processes. I won't bring you into this area. This is our headworks. Um, this is where all the wastewater comes in, um, in that big interceptor that's 54 inches comes in. Um, this is four or five stories underground. We are able to uh, screen out some big things, whether it's a two by four, you know, the rocks, anything can get in there. I will say we do have a lot of wipes, so this is my little plug. Please don't put wipes down the toilet. They don't dissolve like toilet paper. Even if it says flushable, that just means it'll get through your, your toilet, but it won't, won't help us. Um, and, yep, so it's not flushable. Um, and so in our headworks, we also we have what's called a wet well where we're able to pump um, all of the wastewater up to ground level and then it flows through by gravity uh, through the rest of the facility. Uh, this is a picture of a primary clarifier. This is where uh, we settle, we put the water in and the solids settle. 50% of the solids and organics are removed uh, through this mechanism. Um, and you know, the tanks, million gallon tank, uh, the wastewater is in there for multiple hours. These are our aeration tanks. Uh, that's where the microorganisms uh, live and they treat the wastewater. We have a section with no air that allows us to do a little bit of biological phosphorus removal. And then we add air for that regular just uh, organic <coughs> treatment. These are our secondary clarifiers. This is where those microorganisms actually settle and it allows this nice clear water to be at the top which will overflow the tanks and go on to the next process. We have four different ones. 
uh, that we use. And then from there, it goes on to filtration. So we have a traveling bridge filter and a disc filter. They're just the same type of filter. It's like a shag carpet material. Um, it's a five micron cloth. Um, one, one great thing with the traveling bridge filter is that was a sand gravity filter originally, and we were able to retrofit it in that, that $30 million upgrade um, and make it into a, a new uh, filter that was able to treat more um, capacity there. Um, in that upgrade, I want to mention too that we did not build any new buildings, we did not build any new tanks, everything we did was within existing structures. And that, that was one example. Uh, these are our chlorine contact chambers. So we add uh, sodium hypochlorite, is a, just a high strength bleach that is um, added to disinfect the wastewater, or at this point it's, it's very clear water. Um, and then we do add sodium bisulfite at the end to dechlorinate it so that it's safe for the aquatic um, organisms and fish life um, in the river. And from there, it actually flows down literally concrete stairs. We call it a cascade. It allows it to re-aerate the water so that the water is at the proper dissolved oxygen so that the aquatic life um, can survive in it. Um, our effluent flows um, under Village Street and it enters the Charles River after Populatic Pond um, and eventually makes its way into Boston. This is what we call a gravity belt thickener. I just wanted to show it. Basically those primary and secondary clarifiers, when those solids settle, we need to remove them. So we put them on this gravity belt thickener. It's essentially like a a conveyor belt material where the water goes through the belt and the solids stay on top. We're able to thicken it and we do um, send that off site. It actually goes to Upper Blackstone in Millbury, which is another treatment facility where they incinerate it. So that was a lot in one little section on the treatment plant. I'm sorry to rush through that, but I know we have some more kind of you know figures that we want to talk through. But this is, you know, some uh, historical data on all four communities and their flows to the district. We are able to measure the flows coming from each town um, throughout the collection system. Uh, what I've circled there on the bottom is Franklin's flows. So we like to look at it as a three-year average daily flow, so that way we can account for drought years like last year or when we have high rainfall like in other years. Um, we will see variations in flow with the weather. Um, so the three-year average uh, for 2020 through 2022 was this 2.609 million gallons per day. Uh, we do work with uh, the towns to kind of estimate, you know, what capacity or what sewer is going to be used in some of the growth that's happening. You know, so you have a development coming in, it's going to be on sewer. We project that in there, so we've added that number in, which gives like a three-year average plus that projected flow. Um, which is the 2.68 um, million gallons per day. Um, with the capacity of 3.64, you know, Franklin's only, you know, using 72 to 74% of the capacity, um, which is kind of is a really great spot. You will see uh, some of the other towns are using a little bit more, um, anywhere from in the 60s to 80% of their actual um, flows for their capacity and projecting into the 90%. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next slide. Um, but this is just, you know, kind of where we're at um, with our flows coming in. Uh, so I wanted to talk a little bit about what's kind of what's coming up, what, what you might see coming you know, forward. We did have the large, you know, $30 million upgrade. So 
you know, I, I don't foresee, you know, anything large coming through. You never know. I will say that. But uh, we are trying to do small capital, you know, projects in-house um, in our normal annual budget. Little things here and there. Trying to avoid having these large um, upgrades if we can. Um, one thing we are looking at, though, is that pump station I talked about by BJ's and that force main that is 30 years old. So we have been working um, with Franklin and uh, Bellingham to determine, you know, what condition that, that pipe is in. We'll be doing some inspections to see the condition. It's a ductile iron pipe, um, and, you know, it's, it would be, if something happened to that pipe, bypassing that pipe for a short period, you know, for a time period to fix it would be extremely expensive, so we want to avoid that. Um, so we'll be looking at that um, coming up. Um, some other costs that um, we might see um, a little bit down the line on the sludge removal cost. So that's with that gravity belt thickener where we send it to Upper Blackstone. Um, those sludge removal costs are about 25% of our O&M budget. So it is quite a lot of money to do that. Um, and that market is very volatile. Luckily, we are under a contract till 2027. Um, but when that does come for renewal, there may be some significant increases there. Um, but there's so much unknowns right now with the PFA regulations, you know, disposal sites closing and whatnot, that things could look very different um, come 2027. But that, that is out there. Um, our chemical costs, I know the town has seen, towns have seen similar things, but last year with everything, with the, with the crazy world we're in, we had chemical costs increasing from anywhere from 15% to 132%. Um, that was a rough day, I will say that when we opened those bids. <laughs> uh, we were able to buffer that though, and this, this year we, we really looked at our process and tone, you know, really were efficient in our chemical use and tried to buffer some of those increases. We do have the bid opening in two weeks for this next year, and we're hoping not to see as much increases, but that is always out there. Um, we, as I kind of mentioned on the last slide with um, capacity, there has been some very initial discussion on increasing the capacity um, and finding some more capacity for Medway, Mills, and Bellingham with them being projecting into the 90% of their capacity. Um, we're working with DEP on that and Franklin um, DBW um, personnel are involved in that as well. Um, we are, you know, it may go through the treatment plant, uh, but it also may be a package treatment plant, a smaller um, thing in the towns or a smaller regional item. We don't know, it's, we haven't even done a study yet, but that discussion is happening. Um, and then a piece of good news is that our, um, we did lock in a third party electrical supply rate uh, back in 2021. And just in 2022 calendar year, uh, we saved half a million dollars by being in that rather than having a variable rate. Um, so that was great. Uh, and we're locked in on that, that low rate till 2025. That's great. So, That's great. Uh, yes, I, that, that was my uh, big steal there. Um, I so at this time, pause. do you guys have any questions for, uh, for Liz or Charles River? Before I sure, I'm sure we do. Councilor Frangelo. Yeah, thank you. That was cool. You're catching me fresh after visiting the Deer Island. Oh, wonderful! Yeah, great. Okay, so you know it. Good. Wastewater right now. Yeah. But so I I had a few questions. One one and these are in particular order. One was just what to make of 
the usage rates, it feels like our usage rate is much higher than other communities per capita. Just like, I mean, it's higher overall, but it still seems to be like higher in terms of like um, usage. Per, is that even the right way to think about it? Are there ways that like we could be otherwise diverting how, you know? For usage rate, what do you? Yeah, the number was like 2.6, so now you sort of three year. Um, oh, for, oh, so Franklin has the most flow coming to the district. Flow, yeah, sorry. Yeah. We have the largest the population that's connected. Yeah. But it still seemed to be higher per capita. Like it didn't seem, because it was like over, it was like two and a half times what Medway is, which I don't think our population is doing. Well, Rock. is about 20% of our flow. Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's a third of the water in town. Yeah. Every day. Very cool. Yeah. Okay, so that, that's how, yeah, it was yeah. more just like, is there something that I should be, that I should be taking from that in terms of also, like? Also to the populations, like if you look at the population of, uh, that's on sewer in Franklin, the population on um, sewer in Medway, they're not the same, so it's, yeah, you know what I'm saying? There are a lot of uh, customers that are actually, or a lot of people that are on septic, so they wouldn't be connected in to the district yeah. if they're on septic. That's the disparity between the yeah. mm -hmm. population. You can't just look at the numbers yeah. uh, of people in the communities. And just yeah. to add, you used to have a sewer treatment plant here in the 50s. They built condos on it across from the pump station of 495. Mm -hmm. Franklin was sewered back in the 50s, so the other towns weren't even have any sewer. <coughs> so they had sewer a lot longer than other towns. And that's why they built the regional treatment plant in the 70s. That, that's all very helpful. Thank you. Uh, yeah, and, and I guess sort of related, and this is more just me thinking up loud, but on, on one hand, uh, the capacity piece feels cool that like, all right, we have more to grow, um, and, and you know, that's an opportunity we don't have to be as like concerned about it um, immediately. But it also seems like that means that everyone's paying like more per uh, amount of sewer than where we at 89% capacity. Is mm -hmm. that a fair way to think about that? Can I, can I make a, uh, let me turn this around a little bit. Uh, uh, Franklin right now is the only one with excess capacity. And what I want to say with that is when you're talking about good government and thinking ahead in 78 or whatever the date was, they got all this capacity versus the other towns. The other towns are struggling, in fact. Yeah. Some would like to buy capacity. Now, I don't think that the capacity and the use of the capacity has anything to do with the growth. In other words, uh, this was put way out when, and whatever happened to the development is still way within the, the limits of the, uh, the capacity that the sewer plant has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so uh, even I think even that build out, uh, Franklin will have access capacity or, uh, uh, and and I think from from your comments earlier, I do think that the per gallon per person amount is on water usage is actually going down. Cool. So yeah, I mean nation, around, yeah. around around the whole uh, whole community and the whole, uh, whole area. Yeah. But it's the the the, the people in '78 or whatever data was uh, looking forward did their job because we had to do it now. There's no federal aid. It used to be 90% or 95% federal aid. Now you're paying it for yourself. And so that foresight is, is not recognized very often and that's what I'm trying to highlight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
Councilman yeah. Frontel, you still? Yeah, that, that was helpful. Thank you. Um, and then my, my final set of questions uh, is sort of on the electricity piece yeah. uh, and sort of on the sludge piece. It seems like, and certainly, Deer Island has a massive one. Most of a lot of uh, wastewater treatment plants have on site anaerobic digestion system, systems to. Uh, you know, deal somewhat with the byproduct and produce uh, electricity on site. Mm -hmm. Is there a reason we don't, or am I missing? Maybe that just yeah. wasn't part of the conversation. Yep. So we are, a, you know, a medium-sized treatment facility. We would absolutely, if we were to put something like that on site, would need to be able to have enough coming in from other um, facilities. We did do a very preliminary study. I eight. It must have been probably seven or six years ago. Um, and it was quite expensive. I think it was $20 million then just to put one in. Um, and it didn't make, um, you know, financial sense at the time, you know, to do that. But as those costs increase, that might be something, you know, that has comes back up into discussion. Or, or if other towns increase capacity. Mm -hmm. that might change, so. Yeah. That, that's cool. I mean, essentially, is that what we're doing? We're just like selling it off to an anaerobic digester? No, they, they incinerate it. They so, incinerate yeah, it. Yeah, yep, so it's not, you know, getting getting used for that uh, benefit. Are they making energy with the, I don't know what they do. I think they just recycle some of the off, the off gases and the heat um, to reheat the incinerator to get out the temperature, but yeah, they're not, uh, they don't have any like combined um, power generation. Uh, and, and thank you, that, mm -hmm. that's all helpful. Um, and then, you know, the other things that we're seeing there is just because it's a large uh, facility with, with, you know, a pretty large footprint, uh, they were producing a good amount of solar uh, on site. Yeah. Is that something that... We have a small, very small, um, 20 kilowatts, so tiny, but we got it with the um, air funding back in, you know, 2010. Um, and we have a little bit. We have looked at it. Um, we're too small to put it on our landfill, but we do have it graded um, for that if we wanted to. Um, but they would really, a uh, developer would come in and they would clear cut the forest around us, which just doesn't seem to um, be environmentally friendly in yeah. our, our sense. But. Uh, that's really cool. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Councilor Fungelo. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, thank you for the presentation. Yeah. I've worked, first, we built many of the water treatment plants. The first one I worked on was the Salem switch plant back okay. in 1952. I'm very familiar with the operation. Um, this is where I usually throw out a really bad joke, but I'm not going to. Uh, um, thank you, Mr. Jim. But in all the facility, which is a great, great facility, doing a great job managing the facility, I think it's one of those assets that I think many people really don't understand the importance of um, and how, how, how the ability to retake, recapture much of the water that's in our sewer system and put it back in the Tubbs River in such a manner that we're repurposing the water, but we're not killing the fish at the same time. Uh, but you do a great job of managing that. I just, I had, I'm glad we had this presentation because I really hope that people understand how important this facility is to, to our, our sewer system and maintaining that with the power system. And nobody likes to talk about so it needs to be talked about because um, if it's not maintained and it's not taken care of appropriately uh, and it fails, that would be a catastrophic uh, effect on all of our communities. And thank you for your presentation today. Absolutely, thank you. Thank you, Councilor Jones. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Liz. Um, I was going to ask about solar, 
<laughs> or wind or any kind of, of green energy. Um, I just have a quick question. Like when the when a gallon of wastewater goes into this into this system, how long does it take it to go and to get out the other end? Yeah, it takes one day. A whole day. A whole day. Yeah. It goes through all the different mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just wondering like the life of the Yeah, one drop day in, in the life of a drop. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> Well, it's it's very interesting and it's really important to know, right? Because we produce it and we need to take care of it. Yes, no wipes down the toilets. Yeah, we're working on that in the environmental and energy policy committee to get something on those wipes. This will give me more information. Ammunition. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. Councilor Sherman. Thank you so much for all the info from everybody. Uh, so how clean is the water when it leaves? So we can't drink it, um, okay. but you, it is safe for recreation. Yeah. No. You can eat the fish from it, in theory? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And shrimp? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's he's improving from the 1970s. <laughs> <laughs> right? That's yeah. not Because yeah. I know that. Like, we're calling Charles over here. Yeah. Yeah. We use the sermon and then, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you very much. Absolutely. The question is which Charles River? <laughs> Pre or post? Uh, Councilor Chen. Oh, for you, Mr. Chairman. First, um, thank you to David, Wolfgang, and um, Mark. I can see you guys are passionate about this stuff. That's great. Thank you for your volunteering. Um, and as Councilor Jones said, I did learn a lot tonight. A lot of times we don't learn too much, but tonight we definitely will. Thank you. Um, and lastly, if someone had a younger kid or anything, is it job growth in this now? Absolutely. Is, yes, tons. So it's definitely something. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a field where we need more people coming in. There's a lot of different type of work. It spans from engineering to mm -hmm. whatever you want to do. You know, lab work, there's operations, there's maintenance. It's definitely um, interesting. Yeah, you know, and it's, I, I mean, I love it. It's so fun. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just great. Every day's different. Uh, you know, it's running right now all by itself. We don't, we're not staffed 24 7. We have a call out system, so it's, it's treating the water now, uh, doing its thing. Um, but we, we would, you know, we're trying, we have a co op program actually with Tri County. Um, so we have a couple students um, every year to just have, kind of get them familiar with it. Um, and we, we love doing tours and now with you know everything with COVID kind of opening up again we really are encouraging that we did some all right Rome wants to sleep on the floor that's fine Smiley. Smiley. <laughs> 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 uh, we did a boy scout tour the other day and we did some tours with the medway high school so that you know we were open open for that um to expand the knowledge yeah thank you Andy. Thank you guys, thanks for coming in too. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Councilor Chen. Councilor Zorko. Thanks for switching us. All right, thank you. Uh, thanks for the presentation. Um, it, it's, it's, it is amazing, we all learned a little bit, but uh, just one little concern, and I know the pipe that goes under the mine river mm -hmm. to the old sewer beds is what we used to call it, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it used to go there. It goes, it goes under, it goes, the pipe now goes under 495. The old sewer beds are more to the right. With to the right, the, the condos. condos were, the yeah. mine brook goes the other way. 
So with the pipe goes But the original mine broke was what they transferred from the old sewer beds right. to go to the new plant in Medway back in the 70s. Okay. But the pipe is still under the mine broke. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. So we check that pipe in case anything. I mean, and that's what we're going to be working on. And that's what you're going to do. Yeah. We've done very I'm preliminary. I'm just concerned about, you know. We are too. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why we want to look at it. Yeah. I mean, I know. I mean, you guys are doing a great job. Uh, and uh, yeah, environmental science. Actually, my nephew is going to UNH to be an environmental scientist. So Wonderful. Maybe they'll give you a call to a tour. Uh, so. Yes, <laughs> absolutely, please. But yeah, no, straight job. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Delarco. Councilor Plagman. Through the chair, I just want to thank you for coming. Absolutely. You have touched upon so much that it is well over my head, to oh, be yeah. honest with you. But I would like to ask that perhaps we could get a tour with the council, yeah. please, to I'd come in to. and see this. Mm -hmm. I have never seen all of the pictures like this yeah. to see how involved this project is. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it would be great for us to be able to come. Absolutely. And, we'll schedule something. And I can tell that you are very excited about this. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because the way that someone presents something is the way that they honestly <clears throat> feel about it. And I mean, you had all the information right in the top of your head to be able to tell us things. Yeah. So don't she trust us on this, though, because like I said, we thank the commission, the uh, Franklin Commission, and you gentlemen here. Yeah. Thank you all, and I look forward to the tour. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. I think you should probably take a plumber on that tour with you. <laughs> 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 Thank you, everyone. <laughs> all right, Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Um, I think, like everybody, we don't really understand what happens when we flush the toilet. Exactly. So to be able to get this in depth and the fact that you captivated all of us is a huge feat. Um, nobody yeah. nobody <laughs> fell asleep, nobody went out the room. That's all really great <laughs> stuff. I'm just curious about, like, if you were to look at similar size treatment plants to your own around mm -hmm. the state, how are, you, how are you doing comparatively? Yeah, we, you know, we're doing similarly on, you know, budget-wise, it's a similar cost. Some places, um, we're, we're very advanced treatment uh, with us being so upstream on the Charles River, we have a pretty stringent phosphorus limit. So we do use more chemicals um, than some places do. Um, but I, I feel like we are, we're doing awesome. Uh, but our output numbers our are, output, are good. Yeah, um, you know, it really depends on how things are. We, we do, I will say sometimes we do have pretty high flows in rain events where we we see 10, 12, 15 million gallons coming through. Um, so there definitely is I and I. It's really hard to find, and we're all you know all entities are working to, to try and you know find it and work through that. Other than the um, and thank you for enlightening us about the flushable wipes. But is there any other? sort of takeaways that you can share, especially with people listening under things they could be doing at home to help this uh, even even more? Or are we, you know, kind of at a point where we're doing a pretty good job and there's nothing more we can Yeah, you know, I think, I know Franklin in particular has done a lot of using low flow, you know, um, fixtures in the houses and, and whatnot, which is great. Um, and, and really to, go on the wipes a little more if I can. There's, we say three peas go in the toilet. Pea, poop, and toilet paper. And that's it. Nothing else. Mm -hmm. And it's just what we say. 
I know that's hard because it <laughs> seems like a trash can, but it's not a trash can. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that, that I would, that's one thing, and that really helps all the collection system because when things clog up, it, it means that there's more over time that we have to spend more time for the the town employees to go out and take care of that. It, it hurts the pumps and whatnot. So. Um, yeah, I would just add to um, obviously before uh, Liz sees it at the district, we see it in our pump stations mm -hmm. and in our collection systems. Mm -hmm. It causes blockages, mm -hmm. causes extra maintenance that we got to do on our pumps. Um, so can't say enough of even though it says it's flushable, it is yeah. not. That's that's probably the biggest thing I picked up tonight. Yeah. 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 Uh, and thank you to the gentleman that you brought with you for your service, and certainly thank you to the people, uh, apparently quite a long time ago, that had the foresight to make the proper investments in in this system. We're, we're benefiting from that now, so um, thank you. Thank you. Chair, if I may. Sure. Uh, Dave Romano, 13 Town Line Road, Chairman of the uh, Charles River. Thank you for appointing me. Uh, happy to serve. Uh, but. One of the thoughts that I thought uh, when you asked your question um, that people can do, uh, so if you look at 2018 on that chart, you'll see that the numbers are significantly higher across the board for flow from every other year, not just the Franklin number, but everybody's numbers. And then if you look on the last column in rainfall, that 65 inches. So some pumps, connections like that, really do have a major impact on the sewer system in town. Uh, but ultimately at the treatment facility. Uh, 2018 was actually a, a, a trigger year for the state with our permit because the flows were so high. So it is important for people to understand that if, for example, you have a sump pump, you really need to work with the town to try and get that into the drainage system instead of into the sewer leaving your house because that really does have a major impact on uh, the town's costs, our costs. The town's currently spending millions of dollars on II removal. We are working on our collection system for II removal. Um, but those are the types of things that can make a big difference because we're catching it at that source point as opposed to trying to take it out in the collection system uh, once it's already in there. So that'd be something I would recommend that people think about as something that may have a little impact on their lives but a major impact on our operations. Thank, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> yes, thank you. Uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, first of all, uh, thank you, as everyone has said, uh, for coming in and giving us. We've learned more about wastewater probably tonight than yeah. we ever cared to know. Yeah, I knew it. Something was coming. Uh, but I think uh, a piece that uh, Commissioner Bauer spoke about and uh, Councilor Cormier Ledger just spoke about, I think is hugely important to know the foresight that our community had in the 70s to buy that capacity and get that capacity at that time. In Medway. In, yeah, in a different town. Uh, I, I just, you know, uh, we should all be thanking them. Getting a call on that one. For buying that capacity at the time and having that available to Commissioner Bauer's point where he said that it will probably take care of us through build-up. And, uh, and I think it probably will. The one question I have, and you may or may not have answered it, is 
let's say the community reaches 99 or 100 percent. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's either 96 yeah. and 94. Yeah. Right. right. What happens? Right. Yep. So we would, you know, definitely check in with them, see what happens, look at those flows. Or do we have some climate change issues and there's a lot of rainfall and we need to work harder on I&I? &I. Um, but we would be looking at those future sewer connections and developments and, and so having... Basically, they would yeah. have to stop allowing mm -hmm. connections. Yeah. Am I correct in yeah. that assumption? Yeah. 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 Okay. Jamie, you you. disappointed. No, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, so, a uh, quick thing. I'm setting up a tour in July. I haven't been over there in seven years since I first got here. Uh, the new deputy coming on, I am going to schedule a tour. So when we get that date, maybe you know everybody can go right. over. We can send that over in July. Second, obviously, I don't need to say this, but you've all seen it. But I have to. Uh, Liz and Kristen and the entire staff are absolutely unbelievable. I've of, often argued with the commissioners and said, if you can hire her for a lifetime contract, just do it. Um, <laughs> because really, you can see the passion she has, but uh, we get to work with her on a, on a weekly, daily basis, those, those folks, and um, they just do a, just an amazing job over there. Um, and Mr. Chairman, you pointed it out. I did want to point the percent capacity that was glossed over a little bit here uh, on this bottom uh, chart, right? And that's really the worry zone. And to Commissioner Bauer's point, if you look over here at the 74%, Franklin's in a good position. Mm -hmm. I want to make sure everybody uh, really understands that, that over time, DEP doesn't just like give you like another million gallons when you need it. Okay? And so the value of this in the long run is in Franklin's favor in a significant way. And Councilor Fringillo's point earlier about development and stuff, you know, those numbers down there are really important because of what um, Liz said earlier about just climate change, water levels, rainfalls, all these other different factors. It's an incredible position. The folks in the 70s in this town had a lot of vision for a heck of a lot of things. The town charter, I mean, you can go down the list of all the foresight that folks had uh, in that point. Um, and I just want to give the council, I mean, it, it feels a little um, self-congratulating, but it is really important. Um, the council, it, this council, previous councils, uh, Jeff before me, myself, you know, the DPW, everybody, has never shied away from investing in the infrastructure of the community. And I know we're transitioning, and I did this on purpose, that the Charles River folks were here tonight on the night that we have finally got the Beaver Street Interceptor ready to go. And I know the legislation for action in a few moments, Doug's going to go through a few slides, but this all does come together. And there was a point as to why we did all this together, because I know there'll be a lot of questions about the Interceptor and how it relates to the district and whatnot, how it relates to folks in Franklin. Um, but again, you know, showing the commitment of the foresight now and into the future uh, is an incredible thing for this, uh, for this group. So uh, I know there's a little few more slides I think Liz and Doug you have um, and, uh, and, and uh, maybe uh, try to tie it into um, you know, the decisions of today and how all of us in this room are looking out to the future. Go ahead, yes. take thanks. it away. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, uh, um, Liz. That was great. Um, just wanted to kind of bring you up to speed on the Beaver Street Interceptor. Um, I think we all know uh, what's entailed with the project. Uh, obviously, it was built in 1914. Um, we, um, through the council, you appropriated uh, um, borrowing of $33 million. 
Uh, we did get bids in uh, for the project. It came in under the engineer's estimate of uh, 20, almost 29 million. Came in at 28 million, so about a million bucks under, uh, which is good. Um, and then obviously within that 33 million, we have you know police uh, uh, flaggers for the MBTA and all those crossings. We have contingency money and then engineering uh, services during construction. Uh, so that project, uh, we're waiting on some DOT permits. Once we get those, you should see it get started uh, probably um, middle of the summer. I would assume. Next uh, just quickly, I wanted to go over just some uh, issues. Obviously, Liz touched on INI, um, as well as the uh, commissioners uh, for the district. Um, inflow and infiltration. Yes. Inflow and infiltration. <laughs> so, uh, infiltration is the groundwater. Inflow is those illegal connections, uh, sump pumps, and stuff like that. Um, so the council, in recent years, um, since 2017, we did uh, an evaluation of the downtown area specifically, and have targeted a lot of INI uh, issues there with lining of the pipes and manholes in that, in that district. Um, we've spent 500,000 in 2022. We're gonna spend another 500,000 this year to finish up phase seven of those recommendations. Um, you also appropriated uh, through capital another 200,000 for us to do another study uh, for an area um, uh, off of Pond Street, so we're going to we're starting to look at that, and we're going to target that area uh, from the study for uh, INI removal as well. Um, also, too, I wanted to highlight that we have 23 lift stations in town, soon to be 24 after the Beaver Street uh, lift station goes on. A lot of those lift stations were constructed in the 80s, 70s, and 80s, uh, so they're becoming of age and uh, are going to need improvements. Uh, to that point, we've uh, been working really hard on getting grants. Uh, so we have a $250,000 uh, asset management grant where we're going to look at the capacity of each station, look at the condition of it, and kind of get a plan going forward for improvements that we can make um, over time. Um, as well as, it's not on here, but uh, we recently got a $102,000 grant uh, for GAP3 uh, energy improvements from DEP. So I'd like to thank Jake for uh, spearhead in that, um, but that will help a couple of our stations uh, with energy improvements, new upgraded motors, pumps, VFDs, and stuff like that. <clears throat> Looking ahead, um, obviously we're, we're going to look at um, you know the sewer rate increase coming up, uh, but with that, um, you know we're going to look at a uh, limited surplus going forward. Uh, so how can we fill those gaps? Well, we're going to fill those gaps with the grant fundings that we're getting uh, with, the ARPA, with the ARPA funds um, that will help backfill that, that need. Um, and like, like we talked about, um, INI is definitely a, a good investment, um, as well as the Beaver Street Interceptor for multiple reasons. Um, the INI specifically uh, reduces our flow that goes to Charles River, which reduces what we need to send pay, pay them. Essentially, so um, so it's definitely a really good investment, and kudos to the council for uh, recognizing that. And then, obviously, uh, Liz had touched on um, you know the 495 pump station um, unknowns with PFAS um, and a couple other things, chemical costs. Um, so um, those are unknowns, but you know likely increased costs from the district uh, that will come down to Franklin and the other communities. 
any questions specific on the issues? Councilor Jones. Uh, thank you, Jim. Just one curious question. Um, like, for instance, I call electrical wholesalers and say, hey, I need a 400 and I need a something. What's the lead time? Two weeks. Yeah. Now, many of the bus and electrical companies are trying to get 96 weeks. Yeah. Um, have you noticed some of these problems as far as the material is concerned yes. in regards to meeting this project's needs? Because not only is there such a tremendous lead time on material, uh, costs of material have also skyrocketed. How is that going to impact? overall cost of the project? So obviously, I think we know the cost now. Um, you know, obviously there's going to be some change orders are expected. Um, uh, but, you know, the bid is the bid. They hold that. Um, so they are projecting forward. It's a three-year project. Um, so we've, we've given them ample of time to uh, procure these. Um, and really, it's, it's the electrical stuff. It's the yeah. generator. It's the switches, uh, the VFDs. Those are the 52-plus more than 18 months yeah. lead times. So um, there's things that they'll do, obviously, to get going. Um, we'll get the building structure up. Uh, a lot of that's pretty straightforward. Um, you know, lead time uh, there. Um, the lining work they'll be able to do. So there's a lot on the project that they'll be able to move forward on while they're waiting for these uh, supplies coming in. So. Fair enough. Um, you know, the BB students have and I know we've had this so many times, um, and I know the council's well aware of it, but I just want to kind of remind the community of the importance of placing this interceptor, besides the fact that it's 100 years old, yeah. uh, is that it carries, from, if I recall correctly, 90% of our offer. 70% of our sewer flow is 10%. carried okay. by the Beavis Street Interceptor. I uh, should have been brought up to, um, it passes through um, uh, Charles River or Minebrook on one side, you got uh, the train tracks, 495, mm -hmm. uh, some, some very, um, you know, precarious places yeah. to be. Yeah. yeah. So, mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate it. Councilor Fondola? Yeah, just quickly uh, clarifying, you touched upon it, and I apologize if I missed it, missed it earlier. Um, how do we pay for the Charles River Pollution Control District? Is it purely by like per gallon um, flow, or is there some other way to calculate? Yeah, so we have a calculation. So there's two pieces. There's a capital piece and an O and M piece, operation and maintenance. So the capital piece is very easy. That is just what is owned percent wise. So that's the 63.9 percent that Franklin owns in the treatment plant. Uh, then there's the operations and maintenance piece. That is based off of flow that's sent. Um, also on what's the strength of the wastewater. So that's solids, um, organics, phosphorus, and ammonia. And we measure that in the system for all four towns uh, monthly and then come up with a percentage. It's a weighted percentage that we do. Um, and that gives our O&M. So if there's less flow coming in uh, from a town, then they will pay less on that O&M percentage. And she touched on the, um, the quality of the wastewater. Uh, specifically for Grelic Farms, where they have the pretreatment, uh, we look at specific um, numbers there, and they're charged uh, extra if those numbers go over. There's a calculation um, with them. Yep, so we'll sample Grelic Farms uh, twice a month, and we send that data quarterly to Franklin um, for that surcharge. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Any other questions? Thank you. Another slide. You will.
Okay, so obviously, once again, thank you all for uh, an enlightening presentation. Uh, we'll move, uh, we'll go to legislation for action uh, and do bylaw amendment 23-897, sewer rate increase, first reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is bylaw amendment 23-897, sewer usage rate, being enacted by the Franklin Town Council. That's chapter 82 of the Code of Town of Franklin, entitled Fees, Municipal Service. It's hereby amended at Appendix A as follows. Appendix A lists the sewer service usage rates effective for bills issued on or after July 1st, 2023. Uh, sewer usage rates uh, shall be as follows. Now, uh, CCF. Uh, that is cubic. What's the first? It's 100 cubic. 100 cubic feet. Um, so from 0 to 15 for sewer usage, the rate, uh, which was originally on 7122, 605, uh, on 7123 will increase to 722, on 712024 will increase to $8.31, and on 712025 to go to $9.42. For sewer usage for 16 to 40, um, it's going to go from 645 to uh, 769 on 7123, that's going to go to 1003 on uh, 7123, and it's going to go from 740 to 883 on 7124, and to 1152 on 7125. For quarterly sewage only, uh, it's, going to, it's going to go from 183 to 218 on 7123, 260 on 7125. It's a bylaw amendment, shall become effective according to the provisions of the Franklin Home Charter. Moved bylaw amendment 23-897 to a second reading. Second. Motion and second discussion. Jamie. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I think it's pretty straightforward. We just went through the whole presentation, and um, you know, this will allow us to uh, essentially pay for the Doug, if I recall, Doug, five-year long project, full construction? No, uh, full construction would be three years. Oh, three years. Three years. Yeah. So yeah. That's been tough. Yeah. Initially, uh, we'll have a 0% uh, construction loan, yeah. so to speak, um, and then once we reach 50% of that right. um, loan um, given up, then um, we'll start paying. Okay. Questions from the council? Councilor Cormier-Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I, it is not really sure where to direct the question, so I'll just say it. Is the goal after the large project for these rates to then go back down to something more manageable? Because obviously a 25% rate increase is pretty significant for a, a lot of families, but if the explanation is it's temporary for a large 100-year-old interceptor project, you know, it might be a little bit easier for folks to swallow if they know it's going to come back down to normal in a few years. Jamie, you want to take a shot at it? It's a 20-year uh, payment schedule, so they'll be needed for at least 20 years um, to be able to pay that off. So I think, okay. you know, it's kind of like debt exclusions to some extent. Yeah. You know, it stays there, and you'd almost, I hate to say it, but you don't see it come off. But as we go through the budget this year, actually, we're going to talk about debt exclusions sunsetting. 
And there's always something else, obviously you hear from an infrastructure capital perspective, there's always gonna be something else to kind of fill that void. So basically the message to users is it's it's not gonna come back down anytime soon. It's no. just it's just they just have to right. absorb this into their family budget because it's a critical need. Yep. Correct. Okay. All right, thank you. Thank you, Councillor Cormier. Any other councillors? Councillor DeLocco. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I have to agree with um, Councillor Cormier Ledger. It's, it's a critical need. Um, the, the the road work going up Beaver Street, how long, I'm getting a lot of phone calls. They want to know how long that's going to be. You would have any idea, right? No, we don't have um, yeah. the contractor schedule uh, yeah. yet, uh, but once we do, we'll, we'll make sure that we, posted, we get out to the public. Um, we're going to be working on some branding um, and some uh, social media messaging uh, to the public, specifically related to the work that's going to happen at 140. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, what, with the that's what I'm getting. So, yeah, you'll see some communications come out from us. Okay, that's good. And um, just, just on a point, um, my sister-in-law lives in Plymouth and they're interceptor. Mm -hmm. Blue and the amount of money they pay is outrageous. Is outrageous. So yeah. I know it's a hit, but it's a smaller hit than it would be if, if anything happened to me. It's a better alternative. It would be a lot more. It, it would be a lot more if it went to the child level. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to put that out okay. there. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Delaco. Councilor Jones. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Just one last thing that came to mind. Um, with the construction of the new uh, um, what happens to the Deceptive Commission, or is that actually continuous? Can we continue to use that in, in helping with our flows, or is that ultimately decommissioned? No, um, majority of it actually is going to stay in place mm -hmm. um, and just be rehabbed or replaced uh, in place. Um, the portion uh, from Beaver Street to 495 yeah. and the mm -hmm. Franklin Village Mall will be abandoned in place. Um, so the manholes there will you know, be removed a couple feet below grade, and the whole thing will be uh, filled in. So it's not a liability for us in the future. Perfect. Thank you, Councilor Jones. <coughs> Any other questions from Council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to move bylaw amendment 23-897 to a second reading. Majority votes required. <coughs> A majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Looking forward to seeing you all in July. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Liz is a really good tour guide. So. Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. tell because you can tell with the passion. Yeah. That's a for sure. <laughs> okay. All right. We're moving on to the next uh, presentation, which is an introduction to PFAS regulations. And unfortunately, the ZPW director is unable to attend this evening. <coughs> uh, but we have the first first place, Doug Martin. It's all it's all yours, Mr. Superintendent. Ah, uh, Jen, oh, we're skipping James. We're skipping going James right to you. <laughs> 
so uh, we wanted to come before you and uh, just give you an update on PFOS. I know I've talked about it before in front of you. Um, I think by now everyone knows it, but you know, through Jamie, we put together a knows it question about whether we understand. It. Yes. <laughs> well, when the bill comes. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Uh, so just real quick, uh, per and polychlorinated uh, substances, PFAS, um, been around for decades, um, you know, commonly known as Teflon, um, uh, what else, uh, fire footing foams was a big use, you saw it a lot on um, Air Force bases, because uh, that's what they would use to put out, you know, fires and whatnot uh, in training areas. Um, so like every other community, um, especially in this part of the state, um, Franklin is not alone. We are, we're dealing with, with it, with everyone else. Um, recently, um, um, I just want to point out to uh, that uh, it's still being made, PFAS. It's not like it's, it's you know, it disappeared. Um, so Jake has a really good analogy of uh, the faucet has not stopped. Uh, we're trying to plug the drain, but the faucet's still coming, right? Uh, so uh, I think everyone knows that in um, what year was it? In um, 2020, uh, we had well seven um, had a, a elevated level. So uh, let me step back. That uh, state of Massachusetts has made a uh, a regulation uh, for 20 parts per trillion. So Typically, uh, we are measuring um, substances in water in parts per million or parts per billion. Mm -hmm. Now, this is 20 parts per trillion. So put that in perspective, yeah. it's one drop of water in an Olympic-sized swimming pool. Um, some other analogies are a postage stamp on the state of Texas. So kind of put your head in that, in that game, right? Mm -hmm. It's really minute, really small, even to the fact that our um, our operators, when they go to conduct these samples, they got to make sure that they're not cooking with a Teflon pan in the morning. They have no clothing on that's got waterproofing on it. Uh, they got to be careful with the gloves that they're wearing. Uh, so like I said, it is still being produced. It is still on the products and uh, consumables that we use daily. Um, so. Uh, so let me step back to uh, Regulation, Massachusetts uh, um, adopted a 20 parts per trillion of six of the PFAS compounds. Uh, there's uh, hundreds of them, uh, but the six that are most prevalent, Massachusetts has said that uh, the sum of those six can't be over 20. If it is, then you're in violation. Uh, so uh, well seven went into violation. Uh, the minute we found out about that result, we shut it off and uh, we had to send the notice out to the residents. Uh, it's been off ever since, um, and uh, we've been working on, uh, we did an evaluation to see well, what can we do with it, uh, and now, uh, thank, thanks to the council, uh, we're in the pilot and design phase of that project. Um, we did get um, um, on the final IEP or intended use plan for the state revolving funds. Um, so in a couple of weeks, I think you'll see an off borrowing authorization uh, in front of you. Uh, to look at that project. Uh, the good thing about right now is that um, through the bi uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill, um, they're giving up 0% loans for PFAS related projects 
and then there's a whole separate uh, pot of money uh, for loan forgiveness. So uh, it is, you know, now's the time to kind of take charge of it. Um, also, too, down the road, um, pretty soon, is uh, the EPA has uh, issued a draft uh, regulation for for um, uh, their version. So they're going after two of the uh, PFAS compounds, PFOA and PFOS, the two most prevalent. Uh, and they're saying that uh, it can't be over four parts per trillion. So for that comparison, 20 parts per trillion for the sum of six. Now the UPA is going to say we can't be over four for just two of those. And then there's a couple other that have this hazard index that they've done in some other um, instances uh, for other regulations. Um, so what that means for Franklin, that means that uh, uh, Grove Street, uh, that means, which is well three and six, that means that well five, uh, well four, uh, well eight, and well nine uh, would all be um, in, in danger of being in violation, yes. Um, so that's something to look out for. Um, I put in here if that did go through, um, and you know we do become in violation, uh, we're looking at upwards of you know 40 million, 50 million. Kind um, of time frame. So um, they are. It's going through the draft process now. Um, I believe comments are due in the next 60 days. There's a lot of groups that are trying to push that off. Uh, so hopefully there's six. One of them? Yeah. <laughs> I asked the question. Yeah. So honestly, I said why not? Why not sue? Yeah. We did with the, with the <clears throat> stormwater. <throat> like, yeah. The water rates are going to go up higher than what you just did for the sewer. <laughs> so unlike. It's still being made. And it's still being made, so you yeah, can't actually get rid of it. We can't get rid of it. So unlike uh, what Franklin did with stormwater, uh, that was a permit enacted just on the town of Franklin, so we were able to sue those conditions. This is a regulation happening nationwide, so I don't think we'd be able to, we'd be able to sue, unfortunately, but we are going to make our voice known uh, through letters and all other channels that we can, um, and uh, as well as every other community in the state and the country is making, making known. So. Media loud clear yes. the legislators. <laughs> so, assuming that it all goes through, um, you know, these things take time. They're going to give you three or four years to, to get up to speed. Um, but, oh, it's going to happen quickly. $40 million dollars over three or four years. That's yeah. not enough. <laughs> yeah. And that's on top of. And I put in the memo all the other uh, infrastructure projects that we were planning to do. Mm -hmm. um, one and the biggest one is the Fisher Street um, treatment plant upgrade. Um, you know that needs to happen. We got two, maybe three more years left with the filters that we have. Um, so that's that's a very important project. On top of on top of uh, the hillside tank um, replacement. Um, Pleasant Street tank, uh, rehab replacement, uh, Fort Hill tank, Bald Hill tank. Um, so, a lot of infrastructure projects uh, before us, and uh, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. Thanks for all the good business. <laughs> yeah. you know, now, I, now, I know, now I know why Lewis isn't here. <laughs>
I'm just glad you didn't let me talk. Yeah. I didn't have to deliver it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Questions or comments from the council? Councilor Sheridan. So how, how does it get into the water? <clears throat> so somebody does the dishes and it goes into a septic tank? Yeah, so um, PFAS is one of those things that it's, um, once it's in the water cycle, it stays in the water cycle. Okay. Um, so actually, um, rain, rain um, yeah, um, you know, we're burning things that have PFAS in it, it vaporizes, the rain breaks it back down. I think everyone knows the water cycle, it's yeah. a perpetual thing. So even, um, I think it's easy to go after drinking water because we have the, you know, Safe Drinking Water Act, we have the Clean Water Act. To pieces of uh, legislation that are already in place that they're able to kind of put these regulations into. Um, so we're, the drinking water um, industry is taking the brunt of it. Uh, but all we're doing is filtering it out, right? We're gonna trap it in this media, and that media's gotta go somewhere. Right. And as Liz talked, yeah. we might get to a point where we don't know where it's gonna go, mm -hmm. right? And then once it goes somewhere, is it, it's just gonna get back in the so it gets back to the point of we need to stop the tap. Yes. We need to stop the flow. So I know Jamie has talked, I mean, for the residents, be very, very advantageous. You talk to your, um, your legislation. Congress. 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 And Kloss. Yeah. yeah. And, and let them know that, I mean, this is a real issue for the town of Franklin. It's a real issue for the town, state of Massachusetts nationwide. But until that faucet is stopped, all we're doing is putting a band right. on it. That art. Understood. Jamie, we shouldn't waste any time here getting to our congressman, uh, getting letters off, whatever. Uh, maybe he'll come. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, 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 I appreciate that, actually, because it, 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 it is scary. It's scary. And it's, yeah. and it's with and everything it's, else that we're looking at. And, uh, this is like here. Uh, it ain't going anywhere. And um, obviously, Teflon pans. I cook eggs every day, and um, yep. you know I'm eating PFAS every day. Ninety-eight percent of Americans have PFAS in their body right now. Oh. Everyone in this room does. Makeup, uh, whether you know, like coats, clothes. I mean, it's on us, Dennis. We've been eating it, licking it, drinking it, um, and it's just very weird to try to clean something up that we haven't even come close to getting rid of. And now we're gonna hit ratepayers with a bill that's bigger than the Beaver Street Interceptor. Like this, like this decade, like not too far away. And I will give Doug as a bit of good news really quickly. I do wanna give uh, the DPW, there's one piece of legislation coming up on a study that's, you know, that's a grant basically that you have to approve just for DEP. But I will give them a lot of credit. Despite my complaining about this and the concerns, they have completely stayed ahead of this. And so I will say that like, if there's any community that can weather some of this impact, you know, they've done a phenomenal job staying ahead of it. And I think if we do stay ahead of it as a community, I mean, I think the cost we, we know won't be as bad. As bad as 40 or 50, 60 million yeah. can make. <laughs> So thank you, I appreciate that. And I will I will bring a letter and, yeah. and we can take Doug's memo and I think Doug's gonna write it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if you wanna send it from the council uh, or myself, yeah. I, it's oh, well, up I to think you. I think it should come from both. Okay. Yeah.
Uh, We've done those before. I, I think we all need to sign it. We all sign it before. And our citizens. Yeah. 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 Okay. Questions from the council. <laughs> Councilor Hamilton. I, I just I just wanted to add to the good news. Oh, thanks. Um, that um, thank you, Doug, for for this presentation or the to to give us the facts. That's all you're doing is giving us the facts. Yeah. But um, also it goes in our food, right? So. If we have microplastics in the ground where the PFAS is watered onto the plants, it gets into the plants faster. And there's been studies done. It's not just in the United States, though. It's all around the world. Yeah. We're all dealing with this. we got to turn off the faucet. To, to that it's point. Insane. Yeah. To that point, I'm pretty sure uh, Deer Island, with their uh, anaerobic digestion, they're making fertilizer. Yeah. And that fertilizer is getting land applied, which has PFAS in it. Right. right. And it's going into our food. Yeah, so that's one of the things that some of the some of the fertilizers, fertilizers that I actually don't sell anymore because it has PFAS in it, um, and and it's like it's like we gotta stop. We just gotta stop. But anyways, yeah. I'll, I will stop. <laughs> Thank you, Councilor Hamlin. <laughs> uh, any other counselors? Doug, uh, I'm sorry. Just just a quick. Yeah, I know we're talking about PFOS. What does it cause, though? Is just so, I know it does. Just just so people know that it causes cancer. So that's what I mean. Just so people know, because we're talking about it, and people might be out there going, "What's it cause?" Yeah. Yeah. Good point. And I'll also point out too, it, it, it's a lifetime. Um, um, oh, it's a forever chemical, right? But it's also a lifetime, like the, the harm is a lifetime exposure. Right. And it's not like uh, something that's going to harm you over, you know, a couple of days, right? Right. It's, right. it's a lifetime of the yeah, elevated like exposure. Yeah. Doug, Jay, thank you very much. Tell Bruce we didn't miss him. I'll <laughs> <laughs> let him know. <laughs> you can tell him it's direct from the chair. Yes. Please. Thank you. Okay. Uh, we'll now move on to resolution 23-30, authorizing the borrowing of money to pay costs associated with the Franklin Sewer System Assessment Management Plan. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-30, authorizing the borrowing of money to pay costs associated with the Franklin Sewer System Assess Asset Management Plan, uh, CWSRF uh, 1254-1. Whereas the Town Council has been advised of a need to create Franklin Sewer System Asset Management Plan, now, therefore, be it ordered that, that by the Town Council the Town of Franklin that one, $250,000 is appropriate to pay costs associated with the creation of the Franklin Sewer System Asset Management Plan, hereinafter known as the project, and that to meet this appropriation, the treasurer with the approval of the Town Administrator is authorized to borrow this amount under pursuant General Law Chapter uh, 44, Subsection 77, or any other enabling authority, and to issue bonds or notes of the Town, therefore. The amount authorized to be borrowed pursuant to this resolution should become reduced to the extent of any grants, gifts, or other contributions, including in-kind contributions received by the town in any count of the project. Two, all or any portion of the amount authorized to be borrowed by this resolution may be borrowed from the Massachusetts Clean Water Trust, which is known as the Trust, 
established there uh, pursuant to General Law Chapter 29C. Uh, the purpose of the said loans, if, if awarded, shall be to fund costs of the projects, and if said award is made, town agrees to pay those costs with, with co which constitutes required applicant share of the project's cost. The town administrator, the town treasurer, and any other appropriate uh, officials of town agreements is hereby authorized on behalf of the town to file applicants, applications and execute agreements for grant and or loan assistance, as well as furnish such information, data, and documents pertaining to the town's application for grants and or loans, delivery of any agreements with the trust and the Department of Environmental Protection of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts that may be necessary in order to obtain any such financing and otherwise to act as authorized representatives of the town in connection with the application. Three, so resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the Town of Franklin Home Rule Charter. Move resolution 23-30. Second. Motion of the second. Discussion, Jamie. Through Mr. Chairman, the next two pieces of legislation are, the, are two different pieces that are required by the state for us to file for that grant that we just talked about a minute ago. So unless anybody has any questions, the next two roll calls, can you can just move forward with them. It's just for the 250,000. Then I roll calls. Or no, I'm sorry, the next yeah. two I'm sorry, the next two votes. Yeah. Okay, any questions from the council? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-30, a two-thirds majority votes required. All those in favor signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-31, authority for town administrator to file clean water state revolving fund loan application. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 23-31, authority for town administrator to file clean water state revolving fund loan application. We're the town of Franklin, here known as the town, after their uh, thorough investigation determined that the work activity consisting of the Franklin Sewer System Asset Management Plan or the CWSRSF, uh, SRF 12541, here and after known as the project, is both in the public interest and necessary to protect the public health. And that to undertake this activity is necessary to apply for assistance. And whereas the Massachusetts Department of Environmental Protection, MassDEP, and the Massachusetts Clean Water Trust, the Trust of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, pursuant to Chapter 21, Chapter 29C, the General Laws of Commonwealth, uh, Chapter 21 and Chapter 29C are authorized to make loans to municipalities for the purposes of funding and planning uh, construction activities relative to the water pollution abatement projects. And whereas the town uh, was examined by the provisions of the Act, Chapter 21 and Chapter 29C, and believes it to be in the public interest to file a loan application. And whereas the town acting by and through the Franklin Town Council by, uh, by Resolution 23-30, has authorized borrowing for the project of $250,000. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Franklin Town Council, acting on behalf of the Town of Franklin, as follows: one, that the Town Administrator is hereby authorized on behalf of the Town to file applications and execute agreements for grants or loan assistance, as well as furnish such information, data, and documents pertaining to the Town's application for grants and/or loans as may be required, and otherwise to act as authorized representative town in connection with this application. Two, that the purpose of the said loan is awarded shall be uh, to fund construction activities in connection with the water uh, Franklin sewer system asset management plan, CWSRF12541, 
If said award is made, the town agrees to pay those costs, which constitutes required applicants' share of the project cost. So the solution should become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin local charter. Move resolution 23-31. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Jingles. Oh, that's that's that. Uh, councilors? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve uh, resolution 23-31. Again, a two-thirds majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Zoning bylaw amendment 23-889, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code at chapter 185, attachment 7, part 6. Use regulation schedule, residential uses, second reading. Clerk will read the amendment, bylaw amendment. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is uh, zoning bylaw amendment 23-889, formerly known as 22-889, the zoning bylaw amendment to uh, Franklin Town Code. Motion to waive the reading. Second. Motion second to waive the reading. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? Motion carries. Move. Move bylaw amendment 23-889. Second. Motion and second. Discussion. Jamie, quick summary. I, I think we all know just items D and E are both the final two votes required for the town of Franklin to finally have an inclusionary zoning bylaw. The only comment I wanted to say, if Jeff Nutting out there is watching, Jeff, we're on the, we're on the goal line and almost there. It's really a great feeling, and really thank you to all the counselors and the planning board um, and the for this incredible thing. So yeah. Thank you. Just, just one little thing. Council Hamlet, absolutely. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to um, thank everyone that was involved in the Franklin for All project, everybody that came out for that. Um, I participated, the Economic Development Subcommittee, um, Greg Rondo and Beth Whirling on the planning board, Ruth Hunchard on the zoning board of appeals, the town staff. Um, I think everybody heard my speech last time when we read this the first time, but um, it's incredible to work with a group of people like this as a team and to get this done. And it's really um, a great thing. So thank you, Mr. Chip, and I will. <laughs> I just want to thank everyone. A absolutely, and obviously I want to thank you and the ABC committee, uh, because that's where it started. And, uh, well, started with the administration, with the planning, uh, and Brian and everyone else uh, in the planning department, but then through the EDC, who spent an awful lot of time on this project. <laughs> but they brought it to the finish line. It's awesome. Thank you so much for that. Any other questions or comments from the council? Mm -hmm. Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to uh, approve bylaw amendment 23-889. Majority roll call votes required. All those in favor signify by roll saying call. aye. Roll oh, roll call, sorry. <laughs> We have to listen to Glenn again. Glenn. You <laughs> <laughs> see him well prepared for his votes, sir. There's a first for everything. Wait for your cue. <laughs> Go for it. Thank you, but you still have your copy. Yeah. Uh, Charity, uh, call me a ledger. Yes. 
From Jello. Yes. Chandler. Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Gregory. Yes. Jones, yes. Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Absolutely. Nice. Zero, sir. Motion carries. Great job, everyone. Zoning Bylaw Amendment 23-890, a zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin Town Code at Chapter 185, Section 51, second reading. Clerk will read the bylaw amendment. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is uh, Bylaw Amendment 23-890, a zoning bylaw amendment, inclusionary zoning, the zoning bylaw to amend the Franklin uh, Town Code at Chapter 185, Section 51. Be enacted Motion by the Franklin Town Code. Motion and second to waive the reading. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. <laughs> Move <laughs> zoning bylaw amendment 23-890. Second. Motion and second. Uh, Jamie, you're all set. Counselors? <laughs> Let's go. Let's, Let's go. go. Okay. Uh, the vote will come on the motion to approve bylaw amendment 23-890. Majority roll call vote. Our famous clerk will read the roll. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Call me a ledger. Yes. Jared? Yes. Chandler? Yes. Jello? Yes. Pelagri? Yes. Hamlin. Yes. Jones, yes, Vice Chair. Yes. Chair. Yes. 9-0, sir. Okay. Moving on. Resolution 23-32. Gift acceptance. Town of Franklin for Red Brick Schoolhouse. Donation of quotations established sign. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is resolution 23-32. Acceptance of gift town of Franklin Redbrook Schoolhouse donation of established sign. Whereas the town of Franklin has received a generous donation of a carved PVC sign to be installed at the Redbrook School donation town of Franklin. One carved PVC sign to be installed at the Redbrook Schoolhouse located 2 Lincoln Street, Franklin. The sign was donated by Mr. Cam Afonso, owner of Signs by Cam. Incorporated now, therefore, be resolved that the town council of the town of Franklin gratefully accepts this generous donation of one carved PVC sign to be installed at the Red Brick School. Resolution to become effective according to the provisions of the town of Franklin Home Charter. Move resolution 23 32. Second. Motion and a second. Discussion. Council. Thank you. Thank you. Just thank you, Mr. Cam, for stepping forward. Okay, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-32, majority votes required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Resolution 23-29, FY23, capital, round two. Clerk will read the resolution. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. This is Resolution 2329, Appropriation Capital Fiscal Year 23, Round 2. Total amount requested, $711,782. Purpose is to appropriate funds of 2023 Capital Improvement Plan Round 2. Source free cash. Uh, design, maintenance, and construction of public roads, sidewalks, and public lots for the DPW, $581,782. Marketing and branding for administration, $50,000. Uh, sped van. Um, school department, $77,000. Fleece vests and identification gear for election wardens and double-sided mag magnetic sign displays for the top clerk, $3,000. Uh, 
For a total of $711,782. Motion be moved and voted by the Town Council that the sum of $711,782 be appropriated from free cash to be expended at the discretion of the Town Administrator for fiscal year 2023 capital improvement plan round number two. As outlined above, including any residual funds remaining in these line items, this resolution should become effective according to the vision of the Town Council. Move resolution 23-29. Second. Motion and second. Discussion, Jamie. I think uh, the memo pretty Just much so speaks people for understand itself. what sure. capital round two is. Sure. So for the folks at home, um, capital round two is the money that uh, up until next year, provided that the budget goes through, as you hopefully have all read the budget narrative, um, really, truthfully, the 750000 we typically hold. Um, fortunately, this year it didn't snow. We didn't have to dip into it which leaves a little bit excess funds uh, to go towards some projects. And all of the projects on here uh, were supported by the Capital Committee. I'm sure Councilor Plagary, who chairs the committee, will speak to it. Um, we had all the relative department heads uh, and folks uh, relative to each of these projects come in. They were all unanimous. Um, and I, I, I don't think we're going to get nine inches of snow again, uh, whatever it was, next year. But, you know, at least for right now, we can at least make some community improvements. And um, obviously, the special ed ban for the school district was a big priority um, in the marketing and branding they talked about, um, and of course, uh, roads. So, uh, if any questions, let me know. Thank you, Jamie. Uh, Councilor Plagary. Uh, no, I think Jamie went over the whole thing very well. Um, it was unanimous at a subcommittee meeting. Uh, to go along with each and every one of these for a total of 711,782. Thank you, Council Pellegri. Any other questions or comments from the Council? Council Cormier Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I just wanted to point out for everybody listening, um, it was a pleasure to serve on that uh, subcommittee, but um, folks need to understand the, the marketing allocation for $50,000. Some people have questioned that with me. Yes after our meeting that is a very modest investment for us to make as a town to match some funds that we're getting from the state to really show our commitment it's going to go really to help with branding it helps with you know moving forward with all sorts of different plans the school department was in favor of it um, people just have to understand fifty thousand dollars for a community our size to help really has an economic impact uh, because that's going to help our businesses, going to help tourism, it's going to help the various projects that we have going on in town. So I hope that folks will stop the rhetoric of there's something better we can do with the 50 grand. I think a lot of us looked at it, we heard from everybody, and it's a, a very smart decision to invest that in um, the future for the town. Thank you, Councilor Colby Ledger. Any other Councilor Frangillo. Yeah, I, I would just echo that. Uh, of all the things, uh, I, don't know, I, I think they're all they're all good expenditures. I, I love that we you know take as many opportunities as we can to maintain and sort of uh, catch up on our, on our road um, maintenance backlog. Uh, but small opportunities to uh, invest in, in something that's going to have a high return on investment to the town is it, always things that I'm looking for, and, and I'm confident that. Having a uh, clear sense of uh, who we are and way to uh, brand ourselves 
to external stakeholders as well as to uh, internal uh, people um, is, is going to have a really high return on um, on investment in terms of property values here uh, in Franklin in terms of attracting uh, tourism and uh, patrons to uh, our businesses here in town. Thank you, Councilor Frangillo. Councilor Henry. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, I would like to echo Councilor Frangillo's statement and Councilor Cormier Ledgers as well. Um, and I want to thank the Capital Budget Committee Subcommittee <coughs> for seeing the importance of this. Like this is really important for us for new growth, for our tourism. I mean, it's going to do a lot of it's going to do a lot of positive things like ways find signs and all that stuff. This is just the beginning. Um, it's it's um, it's really important. I want to thank everyone on that subcommittee. Thank you, Councilor Hedlund. Any other questions? Seeing none, the vote will come on the motion to approve resolution 23-29. Again, a majority vote's required. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion carries. Town Administrator's report. You know everybody's heard me say it a hundred times. Next week, the Finance Committee hearings begin on Monday, May 8th. Uh, Monday, uh, then Wednesday, May 10th. And Thursday, May 11th. Uh, on Monday, on the 8th, is all of government and the DPW. On uh, Wednesday, May 10th, are uh, the superintendent of Norfolk Aggie, uh, the superintendent of Tri-County, and obviously our own superintendent of public schools. That will be the public school night. And then uh, public safety and regional dispatch goes uh, and closes this thing out on May 10th. Uh, go to franklinma.gov, uh, town budget. It's all there. I know it's long. You can keyword search it. For all those that are saying we need to know more about the budget, all the materials are there. There's archives. I know there's sleeping aids, but if people are really interested in these dynamics of where the money's going and where the spending's going, and we're concerned about this dollar versus that dollar, those documents really need to be looked at and take a look through. And I want to close out, Mr. Chairman, really quickly and just thank um, and congratulate our paramedic, Becky Carloni. Um, Becky, last night, uh, I did take the trip out to Auburn. Uh, just to get out of the office at a minimum, um, but uh, what not a better thing to go out and see uh, Becky win Paramedic of the Year uh, for Central Massachusetts. Uh, really cool. Our parents were there. Our grandmother was there. Um, you know, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. And hear the stories of the ten recipients um, of what they did to earn those awards. I mean, just unbelievable. Very chilling. And I just want to thank and congratulate the whole Franklin Fire Department. This is our second paramedic of the year in the last, I was correct, the last three years. I said four, but uh, Lieutenant uh, Lori Kay, who many people remember Lori Roy, uh, won it a few years ago too. So I think it shows the strength of our team and, uh, and the character of everybody down there. And just want to congratulate her. Uh, it was a great night. So thank you very much. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, subcommittee reports. Capital, no. you know, we just did it. So. Uh, EDC. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Yes, we met. The EDC met tonight before the town council. The, the ugh, before the whole town council meeting, um, we discussed our goals for the next six months before the end of this term, and um, I think we have a really good uh, path forward for, to to clean up some of the stuff that we still have left over from the little bit from the um, Franklin for All project, but other things that we haven't really got to yet. So we hope to have all the goals crossed off. 
Thank you, Councillor Hamblin. Uh, budget committee, the subcommittee did not meet. Gatra, anything? Oh, Gatra, they have an arts and culture. I don't know if that. Yeah, please. Yeah. Please. Yeah, we, yeah. Um, I will add it. Sure. Just so we, we so we have this arts and culture uh, ad hoc uh, committee, um, and we've been doing listening sessions. So we we put out uh, three uh, listening sessions. We just had our second one uh, on Friday. So the first one uh, last month really just was an open space that everyone was able to sort of get out their thoughts. Um, last Friday's, I thought, was a really good transition about taking those thoughts and really organizing them, um, as well as continuing to bring up sort of new innovative ideas. It was really cool just to see um, different people connect, some different ideas uh, come out. Uh, so I'm really excited about going into uh, next month's um, ad hoc. Uh, committee listening session um, yeah. as we prepare a sort of summary um, before the, the master plan. Awesome. Thank you, Councillor Fangelo. Okay, future agenda items. Councillor DeLocco. Agenda. <laughs> <laughs> Councillor Jones. Councillor Hamlin. No, nothing at this time. Thank Councillor Plagri. No, nothing at this time. Councillor Fangelo. No. Councilor Chandler. Nothing at this time. Councilor Sheridan. Nothing. Councilor Coney Ledger. Nothing, sir. Just want you to know, sometimes we can change it up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it just seems like Councilor Coney Ledger and Councilor Sheridan get called up first all the time. Yep. Thank so. You. Thank you, Mr. <laughs> okay, Councilor Comments. Councilor Jones. Still my heart. <laughs> 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 Councillor DeLocco. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. A uh, couple things. Um, uh, I just want to reach out to um, former district attorney, uh, a Norfolk County district attorney, and former Attorney General Francis Expolati. Today we were at his birthday party. Um, he turned 100 today. So um, it was very nice to see him. and. Uh, he uh, still very active. Um, he's, I asked, you know, asked him what his secret was, and he said, uh, going to the gym every day and drinking wine every day. So those are the things. Come to the wine. So and that's what I said to him. I said, I got the wine. Got to get to the gym. Uh, but outside of that, um, another thing with uh, in talking with. The uh, people at the Safe Coalition. If you know anyone that's really struggling with addiction, there's a new drug out on the street. It's a horse tranquilizer that they're mixing with cocaine and heroin and, uh, and every other kind of drug there is out there. And the issue is that not in the work on it. So people, you know, just so people know. And, and not cancer that no effect on it. So we've been finding a lot of people struggling with that. It's a tough one. So. Thank you, Councilor DeLocco. Councilor Hamlin. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, congratulations, Becky. And the Delcart Day, which was, I think it was two Saturdays ago, when it, or Sundays when it was raining, has been moved to this Sunday from 9 to 1. Um, there's going to be a lot of people there, and you can go on walks with the DCR, um, Forrester, and look for vernal pools, and 
um, meet more of the conservation people. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chen. Thank you, Councilor Hanley. Councilor Plagman. Um, I also would like to <coughs> congratulate Becky. That's a, a wonderful, wonderful um, thing to happen for Franklin, for her, for the fire station. And I had something um, that I wanted to bring up. I don't know if the rest of you got the letters from um, students, um, 500 Lincoln Street, which is the school. And I just don't think that it was appropriate to be sent out. It shouldn't be sent from the school department. It shouldn't be a form letter that you have these kids signing. I mean, if you had to ask them, they probably didn't even realize everything. It was such a long letter of what they were doing. I'm all in favor of more counselors in that because I know the times right now. But I know that something like this, I don't even know if it's, if it's legal for them to do, using the um, paper, using time, using everything to get, get to us, you know, through, a through the school department. So I hope we won't see anything like this again. I mean, if they have something to say, please come before us here at the council. Okay? And that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Pellegrini. Councilor Frangillo. Yes. A uh, few things. So the Arts and Culture Survey is still open. So if you haven't uh, taken that survey, please do. Um, and then a few uh, events. So um, today, actually, was uh, Walk to School Day. All of our elementary and middle schools uh, participated. And I had a, um, a Franklin High senior uh, help me out in, in the organization of that and, and sort of reaching out to everyone and, and putting some um, research together. And then we're doing a, a survey of the students to get them to reflect on their experiences. Um, so she's just been fantastic, Lily really Edemo. And so I want to give her uh, credit. And it was really cool to see that. Uh, that happened today. Uh, Saturday, um, I'll be walking with Franklin Matters around uh, downtown Franklin and talking about housing and design and development and whatever else uh, comes to our minds, history. Um, and so come, come join us. That's going to be at 10.30. We're meeting at um, the Common on the sort of high street side. Uh, you'll find us there. Um, sort of an hour and a half walk and talk uh, of downtown. I'm really looking forward uh, to that. 10.30, uh, 10.30 at the Common. Uh, also at the Common, also at a similar time, just after that, uh, Franklin Area Moms is uh, rescheduled their environmental extravaganza. Um, so that was supposed to be on birthday. That had to be uh, rescheduled. So if you have young kids that uh, want to learn about um, the environment, uh, that's going to be a good opportunity also at the Town Common on Saturday. Uh, and final thing is Beautification Day. I don't think that we have a council meeting before that, so the, the next one is uh, the 20th. May uh, 20th uh, is you know our downtown spring beautification day. They do a fantastic job, but they always uh, could use more hands. Um, so please, if you enjoy that, uh, consider taking some time out and helping them on the 20th downtown. Thank you, Councilor Fondillo. Councilor Chandler. Through you, Mr. Chairman. Just one thing tonight, and Jamie pretty much said it all, but it's May, this is budget month. This is budget month. So send us your emails and all of that. And, and please watch the meetings. Please. Thank you. Thank you, Councilor Chandler. 
Councilor Sharon. Yeah, I'd like to graduate uh, Becky too. And I want to thank the people who are painting the electrical boxes around town. Yeah, I know, that's yeah. And on a personal note, I lost my dog downtown. Oh, she's alive. Oh. I, I lost my dog downtown on Monday. So if you saw an idiot running around the roof, <laughs> the college. You found it. Two libraries. Down close to the common. Yeah. With two uh, Franklin police. <laughs> that was me, and I want to thank the Franklin police for helping my kids do too. <laughs> Leash laws. Leash laws. Councilor Corby Ledger. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, thank you to everybody that presented tonight. Uh, congratulations to Becky. Um, thank you to everyone that came to our arts and culture subcommittee meeting. I thought it was great to see a really packed drum. I particularly want to thank the high school student that came out and you know shared her opinions and observations very frankly with us. I thought that was fantastic to get her point of view and looking forward to taking all of that great info into our third meeting. Um, and I just wanted to give a shout out and congratulations to uh, our friend Kay Kelly, uh, the former chair for the uh, Franklin Cultural Council. She's being awarded the Commonwealth Heroin Award um, coming up in June um, at the recommendation of Senator Rausch. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, and I've asked her for details so that maybe uh, some of us from, come from Franklin can attend and uh, cheer her on for that. It's a, it's a, it's a really huge accomplishments. So, um, other than that, thank you very much. Thank you, Councilor Comey-Ledger. Uh, again, I'd just like to thank everybody that came, all the presenters this evening, all the people, great information, uh, you know, the, just what, the, watching the passion in Liz's face as she gave the presentation was, you know, you just really love that kind of passion coming from somebody about the work that they do, uh, especially that kind of especially wastewater work. But uh, uh, it was certainly great to see and Doug uh, and Jake, thank you very much for coming and uh, presenting this evening and the commissioners for uh, coming as well. And obviously congratulations to Becky. It's a great, great achievement for, for her. It's a great achievement for the department. Uh, it just says wonders for uh, our public safety people. So with that, I'd entertain a motion to adjourn. So moved. Non-debatable. All those in favor, signify by saying aye. Aye. Opposed? We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Type Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. By the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.